Hi, I'm Wes Mack. I'm an actor, musician, producer, director, and you're listening to Neil Before the Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is far too busy for trick-or-treating, but it's Halloween in the past or future, so who cares? I'm your host Craig and we are here to break down the news and trailers from October 2023. Joining me for this discussion, making her news podcast debut, long awaited, it's Natalie. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm very excited to finally make it to one of the news podcasts. It's been a wee while, so hello. Yeah, hello listeners. She's still here. Yeah. I am just creeping around in the background <laughs> as per usual. Okay, so before we get into our news and trailers, typically we do a bit of a breakdown of what we've been looking at and thinking about and watching and stuff. So, what have you been watching? Anything good or anything bad? Yeah, we've been watching a few things. I don't know how new a lot of them are. It's fine. It's new for this <laughs> forum, I suppose. Yeah. Definitely one of my guilty pleasures at the moment is Only Murders in the Building. We have finally made it to season three and I have to say I think I've become such a huge fan of Martin Short. He's cracking me up. I feel like I need to watch all of his stuff but also no spoilers because I haven't finished. I think we're maybe a third of the way through season three. Okay well I've not seen any of it so I couldn't possibly spoil it even if I wanted to. You haven't seen any of it? Oh, I think you'd like it. It's quite fun. What's it with me and the thing that everyone's watching? I'm never watching it. It's usually the way. I mean, that's usually me as well. When Breaking Bad first came out, we didn't really watch that. We were like a decade, no, two decades late to The Sopranos. So, I mean, <laughs> we're very aware of all that. And another little callback. I don't know why. I think just because the news has been really grim lately, I've been finding myself escaping into the world of my kitchen rules <laughs> have you seen it no I have okay not. well it's an australian tv show that's kind of like come down with me but it's instant restaurant and i thought i'll watch the second last season thinking it'd be recent but it's like 2016 and australia so for some reason it feels like 2004 <laughs> it's a little bit cringe but it's awkward enough and bingeable enough and it makes me really hungry and so I want to eat really good food yeah that's kind of where we've been at and I think we've also been watching just a lot of tv shows to be honest have you watched the devil's plan nope it's like a Korean game show it is the most convoluted absolutely wild game show ever are Korean game shows like Japanese game show where they're just cruel and brutal no it's not cruel and brutal but i do feel like there's so many game shows at the moment that we're absolutely on track for real life battle royale in the next couple of years which is <laughs> kind of worrying it brings together a smorgasbord of quite smart clever people in korea and also some i think public personalities so there's a member of a boy band there's professional goal players and I think astrophysicists and they all have to work together to build up this game pot of money that somebody wins at the end 
but you can also there's just lots of puzzles within puzzles and there's like a prison that you get locked in if you don't have enough wins and stuff it's quite interesting but the games are absolutely wild it's quite moorish we've definitely gotten behind that sounds a bit crystal maze in a way yeah but you live there (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i ever wanted to live in the crystal maze oh i would i'd live in the jungle section i think (laughs) so cool or like the magical bit so is that everything on your watch list basically yeah i think we're just sort of dipping in and out of tv shows we went to the cinema a couple of days ago to go and see a hunting in venice and that was pretty good i say pretty good it was enjoyable i think we just wanted an old-timey agatha christie poirot situation and it delivered it was quite good but i do find myself and gus takes the mickey out of me all the time but I definitely find myself being like, this is a 12A every time. I think it's just from working in a cinema and seeing the elevation of what's acceptable in movies that children can go to. It's just a bit bizarre. I think we left and we thought, I wonder what the 15 rated version of that could have looked like and how more extreme it would have been. But yeah, it was good. It's funny, I think, having worked in a cinema for so many years to then go back to paying for movies, you absolutely judge them on a whole other level you have much higher expectations for what you get for what you pay for because when it's free you're kind of like yeah okay you take a bit more of a risk but when you pay for a film yeah you want it to be good so yeah I was happy that we paid seven pounds for a ticket or whatever it was so that was good I'm a bit like that with my unlimited card because if I don't like something then all I've really lost is my time which as the years have went on, I've come to realise is actually a lot more valuable. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm still a bit choosy about what I'll go and see. If I feel like I'm not going to like something, I'm not going to spend the time on it. But at the same time, I go and see a lot of stuff that I wouldn't necessarily pay to go and see. Is it a false economy? I suppose it is. But I've also had it for so long that I don't have any concept of what it is to pay to go see a film. Really. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes it can surprise you. I definitely remember seeing films in the cinema where I definitely would not have paid to go and see them and I probably wouldn't have even been aware of them and some of them have become some of my favourite films that I've ever seen and just took me so much by surprise so I feel quite thankful for that and as long as when you go to the cinema you've got those little pockets of sheer honest I suppose for something that maybe you wouldn't have seen that's maybe worth it and trailers are usually really bad these days so it's hard to tell what you're actually getting oh gosh well you bring us to the topic of the night don't you (laughs) Well, we'll get there. You sent a mammoth list of trailers. And I don't know why. I wasn't expecting it to be as many. I haven't kept up to date with the writer strikes and everything like that. So I really wasn't sure what is upcoming or what is happening in realms of movies over what turns out to be the Christmas period. But I have to say, it looks like a couple of doozies. not going to lie. We'll get there. (laughs) My watching list, I've not been watching an awful lot of new stuff TV-wise. I had to go to the Frasier sequel, I suppose is the best way to put it. The new one? Yeah. Is it out? Yeah, there's maybe four or five episodes at time recording. I don't know. I I watched two and thought, I'm never watching this again, because I just (laughs) thought it was really bad. They do what you expect of it, really. They try and recreate the quote-unquote magic of the old show, but they do it in such a transparently obvious way you've got the niles equivalent niles's son is in it and he's just like niles wait so is niles not in it at all no no niles <gasps> nominally it's fraser is fraser still and freddie 
is the Martin, as in he's a, a normal guy with a non-academic job and things like that. So mm. they mm. butt heads over the fact that there's that class difference between them. You've got Nicholas Lindhurst, who is a snooty English professor. You have Freddie's friend, who's a single mother and she's rubbish. Nilesy's son, which I've already mentioned, he's not very good either. It was just painful. I watched two episodes because they released two episodes at first. Yeah. And then after I'd seen what the first week of it had to offer, I was done. That's it. I'm not going to watch anymore. Okay. Well, I feel encouraged maybe because that was definitely my impression of the trailer. I think yeah, I saw my first trailer for it last week. Gus used to go on about Frasier growing up. It used to be on TV and he used to watch it and I never got into it. We're the same age. I don't know why, but Gus had it on his TV growing up. We didn't. And I feel like any glimpses I got of it, I just was like, this looks really boring. I'm not going to watch this. I don't care about this guy. I'd much rather watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. (laughs) That was where I was at. And I still would much rather watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But we did start watching it from the beginning. And I have to say, it was a bit of a slow burner. Niles is by far the absolute best character in that show and the sort of Niles and Daphne thing and I think we only got five seasons in or something I can't believe there are so many 11 yeah yeah I don't know if I'll finish watching it but I don't think anything would bring me to watch the new season or the reboot or whatever I just don't know why it's happened or why that's necessary why has it happened it's happened because they seem to think that nostalgia will sell and money. Oh, but he's not even a good guy though, right? He's like pro-Trump and he said some questionable a bit things. of an yeah. absolute right-wing nut. And I'm like, oh, he's ruined Frasier, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't understand it. For me with Frasier, I got into the show quite, well, not late, but later than when it was actually on because, I don't know, I felt like it was maybe a bit too highbrow for me as the age I was when it was on. I remember it was on after Friends on a Friday night and I would try and watch it sometimes and just wouldn't vibe with it. But once you understand the style of the humour, it's really good. Yeah, because if you're 10 years old, you don't care about what they're doing. Yeah, but (laughs) once you vibe into the fact that the joke is always on him, that's it really. But I, I guess it just didn't click with me. I'd much rather have watched Friends. I felt like I could... Yeah. Understand that more. And R.I.P. Matthew Perry, by the way. I know. That was a bit shocking. I like that you'd rather watch Friends. And I'm like, yeah, Sabrina. I liked Sabrina as well. It just wasn't on on a Friday night. Yeah. I mean, it's just not Frasier. And I think watching it now, we were sort of watching it. I'd get ready for work. I'd have my breakfast. I'd have my mocha. And I'd put on a little episode of Frasier and then be like, okay, that's me off to work. Just a little routine we got into. But some of the behaviour... Fraser's character oh, I know he's supposed to be like this terrible character and well, he's a buffoon podcast isn't about Fraser, but I just found so much of his character so problematic <laughs> I think we could dedicate a whole podcast series to the problematic character of Fraser, but let's not get into it tune into the Fraser rewatch podcast over the next <laughs> 40 years because that's how long it'll take us God, no thank you. We'll launch Fraser Minute and then we'll never be done. I hope that never exists. <laughs> well, don't watch the 2023 thing anyway. <laughs> That's my recommendation. It's not worth it. Okay, I'm taking it on board. Another thing I've been watching, I'm a little bit an episode behind actually, Loki. 
season two. It's oh, been yeah. right. I mean, quite enjoying it. It's doing some weird zany time travel stuff. I don't know if it's heading somewhere important or not. I, I've stopped thinking that the Marvel TV shows will feed into the, the films in any meaningful way because it just doesn't seem like they will. It's more likely that this Loki will turn up in a film and just explain anything that's important that happened in this TV show. But it's pretty good. Yeah. Would you recommend it? I would, yeah. And the Jonathan Majors of it all, speaking of problematic people, he's <laughs> still in the show and they haven't, at least as far as I can tell, done any editing to reduce his role or anything like that. They're just not advertising him. Wait, who's this? I'm not up to speed on any stuff. What's the deal? Okay. He's apparently quite abusive. That's all I'll say. You can look into it further. Oh my God. Okay. And is he like a main character? Yes, he's the villain. He was also the villain in the latest Ant-Man film. Do you know why I still haven't seen Ant-Man? I wouldn't recommend it either. The third one is not very good. (laughs) Well, that is quite shocking. Gus is definitely not tempted by any of the Marvel TV shows, but I have to say I surprisingly enjoyed WandaVision and I think I did try and watch the first season of Loki and I just didn't get into it. I just wasn't in the right space I think for watching it and I feel like with season two the trailer definitely feels like it's a bit more playful and a bit more jolly and I feel like I can kind of get into that mischievous light-hearted side of it so I think it's got me on board. Hmm. Well Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are a great double act in the show as well. Oh yeah. And Ki-Hu Kwan is in it as well if that's how you pronounce his name he's in it. Oh yeah. He's ah, everywhere now. That seems like a good little mix. Yeah. Well, I mean, he deserves it. He's pretty stellar. Yeah. And if you're into the more outlandish side of the Marvel Universe, then Loki will be more in your wheelhouse, probably. Hawkeye is still my favourite of the Disney Plus shows. Yeah, I think it could be. Yeah, I definitely haven't watched any of the other ones. I have to say WandaVision just captured me a little bit. And that's the only Marvel TV show I've watched. Fair enough. Maybe Loki will do it and that'll be my second, but... I don't see myself watching any others. Give it a go. Don't give it a go. It's up to you. Yeah. The other new thing I've been watching is Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated Star Trek show, or one of them. It's been really good this season. There's one episode left at time of recording, so by the time this is out, it'll have finished its third season. Fourth season. Third season? Fourth season. And this is just a purely animated Star Trek. Yeah, it's a 25-minute animated Star Trek show. It does riff heavily on what some consider the golden era of Star Trek, the 90s, early 2000s years. So it's geared at people like me that love that unconditionally. And it's a lot of fun. They do some really fun character stuff. The animation's really good. The storytelling is really good. It's not just a stupid comedy show. It does have some heart and depth there. That's quite nice. It seems like it's got a good angle to bring back the sort of lighthearted nostalgia, I suppose, of the 90s. Oh. It's almost nostalgia plus, as in <laughs> they're setting it up with a nostalgic angle, but they're giving you a bit more as well. They're making mm. it meaningful, as opposed to just pointing at something and saying, hey, remember this? Oh, well, that sounds really good. Sounds perfect for you. Yeah. It's decent. Star Trek. I can't go wrong with Star Trek. I will always watch it. Are they going to make more seasons after this one? Yes, it's been renewed for at least another season. Okay. Five might be the last. It might not. We don't know. Okay. I was going to say maybe next week after you've seen the final one, then I may need to cheer you up. But if there's (laughs) a whole other season, then that's okay. And I've done a couple of TV rewatches. One has been Doctor Who. I've been just rewatching that just whenever I've got a moment. I feel like I want to just get back up to speed before the 60th anniversary specials at the end of November. I don't think I'll quite manage it, but I've seen it all before anyway. Are you watching it from the very start? Well, not from the very start of the 60s, the very start of the 2005 revival. So from Christopher Eccleston onwards. Ah, 
okay. I thought you were doing like an epic chronological order. <laughs> Which are 60 years of Doctor Who. Yeah. With 10 years of a gap or however long it is. I have to confess, and I'm sure I've confessed this on this podcast before, I still have never seen a full episode of Doctor Who. Well, not even sure where I'd say to start. Probably just, if you're going to yeah, start sorry. with it, wait until <laughs> Shuti Gatwa takes over the role, because then that's a jumping on point. So you can just take it from there and keep going. I don't know if it's ever really interested me, to be honest, but I like that people are so into it. I find that very charming, so I'll enjoy other people's energy for it. Well, coming up is Isaac and I's conversation about the 50th anniversary special that will be out sometime before the 60th anniversary. Well, that sounds fun. And, well, this isn't a rewatch. It's a first-time watch, but it's an old show. I've been watching Riverdale. I don't know what made me decide to start watching it, but I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Riverdale? The soap? Yeah, a CW soap thing. It's hilarious and mad and amazingly entertaining. What is that? A 90s UK soap or something? No, no. It's a 2000s CW teen drama based on the Archie comics. What's CW? The network that has a lot of the shows that are watched and reviewed, Ah, things like The Flash and so on. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking of Emmerdale. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Along with Doctor Who, I'm going to get with Jenna Coleman fix at the same time. I was really like, wow, that's so edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Okay, Riverdale. Yeah, I have no idea. I'll Google it. It's pretty fun. It's just nuts. They keep just doing insane things, but it's fun. I don't watch it super regularly. It's just sort of whenever I've got time, I just plop on an episode or two and then laugh at the lunacy and then move on with my life. In between the 1962 episodes of Doctor Who. Ha ha ha. And then I'll sometimes message Andrew whenever something particularly insane happens and remind him of it, which he quite enjoys. Ah, so there's like a whole Riverdale crew in the Neil Before block. Well, just me and Andrew. (laughs) That's pretty much a gang. Yeah, that's enough. He's quite enjoying reminiscing about it by remembering these things that keep happening. Oh, well, that's good. But that's it for TV. Movies-wise, I watched a few things. I watched a movie called Totally Killer, which is essentially Back to the Future by a slasher movie. Oh, yeah, you can't say anything about it because we haven't watched it yet. Okay. So maybe you can do a spoiler-free situation for us three stars i gave it i reviewed it i gave it three stars three stars it was kind of a high three there's just some things that it does that it could do better basically but it's good fun kieran and shipka funnily enough you mentioned sabrina she's the modern sabrina Mm, yeah olivia holt she's always good as well it's back to the future if it was a slasher yeah gus had mentioned it and we watched the trailer for it and i think at first i was like oh, i don't know and then i kind of was like all right kane i'm feeling this i can get into this so i think with tomorrow at time of recording being All Hallows' Eve, I think we might watch it. And of course, alongside Scream or something classic like that. A high three stars. All right, I'm going to have to let you know what I think of it. Yeah, the next movie I'll talk about is Assault with Your Husband, funnily enough. Flora and Son, the Apple TV Plus John Carney movie. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. John Carney's three for three, as far as I'm concerned, as a director. He's directed more things than that, but in terms of his own films, it was really good. And I found out that the lead actress is Bono's daughter, which I didn't know until way after I'd seen the film. That's weird. Has she been in other stuff? Probably. I didn't look it up, though. I remember when Gus went to see that with you because he came back and talked a lot about it because I think he didn't vibe with it quite as much as you. 
He said that he did. He lied to me. Well, he might have liked it at the time. Maybe after lots of questions from yours truly, <laughs> he maybe came to a realisation that he didn't quite dig it. But it was interesting to have that conversation and to hear about it. I think it's by the guy who did once, isn't it? So yeah. I think it's along similar feelings and vibes. I think once became quite a bit of a success, didn't it? Yeah, once was really good. There was Begin Again as well, the Keira Knightley one. Okay. And Sing Street, which was excellent as well. So you really like him? Yeah. Yeah, whenever John Carney's making a film, I'm there. Ah. And the free beer and free popcorn didn't hurt as well. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I think not being there for the free beer and free popcorn, that bummed me out. And I would absolutely give a movie an extra star (laughs) for giving me things like that. So (laughs) Just selling out to Apple's presence. That's what you're doing. Yeah, a little bit, maybe. If it was unlimited refills or something. No, it wasn't. Little sweet treats, yes. Just one small (laughs) popcorn and a bottle of beer. Okay, you're right. I won't give it an extra star, but there we go. (laughs) Another thing is an animated film where I did some stuff on the back of it that I'll talk about. Mortal Kombat Legends Cage Match, which is an animated film about Johnny Cage, voiced by Joel McHale. And it was quite fun. Mm. Mortal Kombat does have this deep lore and... Mm-hmm. All this stuff associated with it that I have no idea about because I haven't really ventured much outside the games and the not very good live action films as well. Hey, leave those films alone. One of my first ever actual musical ringtones was the Mortal Kombat theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not criticising the theme song. The films, though, are not the best. Yeah, well, the music carries it. But this animated one, it was pretty good. It had proper 80s vibes. Joe McHale was really good at playing that arrogant actor who isn't quite everything he thinks he is, all that stuff. It was good in. Oh, sounds like a classic Joe McHale situation. Yeah. Wasn't that his whole character and community? He wasn't stretching himself an awful lot <laughs> to take on the Johnny Cage role, but if you're good at it, do it. Yeah, yeah, if it works for you, why not? And I mean, to be fair, that's why people love Dobbin Community. Yeah. I was going to say, that's why we love Dobbin Community, and I changed it to white people and now I feel like if he ever was to listen to this he'd think that I wasn't a fan <laughs> definitely went through a phase in community of being he's pretty good but Britta was always my favourite there we go that's an aside try an abid all the way for me try an abid in the morning yep. yeah <laughs> you know what that was good it took me a while to get into that as well which is why I feel Same. like I need to give other shows a bit of a chance <laughs> Yeah. Another thing, Cat Person, which is a film about modern dating and how people can seem in text and how women can be creeped out by men who may not be creepy. It might just be how they're perceived. It's actually quite a muddled exploration of that idea, but I quite liked what it was getting at in places, as in the the way he seems to her. Is that her problem or is it his problem? So is this a film that you've seen? Yes. Okay. And it's called Cat People. Cat Person. It's vibing with the whole catfishing sort of idea. Mm, Okay. But not quite. It's pretty unfocused. I mean, women have the right to be creeped out by men, given that they're generally creepy. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying they don't, but it's the idea of how people are perceived or how you might perceive people and what the intent behind it is versus how it comes across, things like that. Because the guy's really awkward and she sees him in a certain way, but continues to pursue this relationship with him anyway. Like I say, it's very strange. I, I feel like there was a really good exploration of that idea in there somewhere, but it just wasn't in that film. Okay, I don't feel drawn in by that. At this moment in time. I'd be keen to see a proper exploration of that idea, actually, because I do think there's definite mileage in the, the whole idea of in modern dating that sometimes starts with texting and things like that. How do you forge meaningful, true connections with people when you start off with a text and you expect someone to be a certain way and then you meet them in person, they're not that way, all that stuff. There's plenty to play with there. And then there's the whole default 
perception of men being creepy in certain instances and then you can get the other side of it as well perhaps i don't know there's plenty there to play with and the film doesn't really do it i found it more interesting in concept than i did in execution i don't know it's an interesting one i don't want to comment too much on it because i've not seen anything about it but yeah i think that perspective idea is interesting but i wonder given the elevation of crimes against women particularly by people in positions of some sort of power or authority it's an interesting one to come out well the female character in that film doesn't do herself any favor she keeps putting herself in these situations where she could be kidnapped and murdered i'm just going to meet this guy that i barely know on my own in a quiet place yeah but also women have a right to be able to go to places and choose to do things without the fear of things happening to them of course but if they're talking about the whole notion of being unsure about something or whatever then you would think some extra caution should be taken. It's like bear spray. Yeah, or having people with an earshot. I don't know, anything. Like I say, there's a film in there. Yeah, it is quite interesting So I think it's been done a couple of times and it's one of those things where it's an age-old story of when you are raised, you're told that you need to cover your drink in case you get spiked. But from who? From guys? Instead of teaching guys, oh, you shouldn't be putting drugs and girls drinks yeah don't spike drinks and it's like no 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 the girl has to do all the work to protect herself rather than raise a boy to not be an absolute creep but there we go okay that's interesting may need to explore it yeah this may be worth a watch on streaming or something to see the ideas be sloppily played with yeah and hear maybe more about what you're saying because yeah interesting Another thing, Five Nights at Freddy's, video game adaptation, horror movie. It had a budget of 20 million and it's currently at about 140 million worldwide, so it's absolutely cleaned up. Despite the fact that it dropped on streaming on the same day as it did in the cinema, people have gone out to see it. That's how popular the games are, I suppose. I thought it was okay. It's all over the place. The animatronics are great and it has some, again, interesting ideas in there, but narratively it's just all over the place. I'm not quite sure what it was trying to get at. So, fine to watch once, I suppose. Yeah, you talked about your time being precious. <laughs> you don't need to do that. The creator, another one. I saw Gareth Edwards, who directed Rogue One, which is probably the best of the Disney era Star Wars movies. He did this original sci-fi idea, and it's on a budget of eighty million. So I feel like Gareth Edwards should be teaching classes on budget management to people because the Marvels is coming out in a couple of weeks, and that is two hundred million or something like that as a budget and really doesn't need to be so gareth edwards really needs to show people how to do that i'd love to see like a breakdown of would i love to see this i don't know maybe i'm just curious i don't know if i would love to see this but i'm curious to see how mammoth budgets like that are broken down where the money goes because i'm sure there's things like when streets have to get closed or small businesses have to get paid off to close for the day and all this kind of stuff for a film sequence that takes maybe 20 seconds or something but to film it takes all day or something and it's probably i don't know it's one of those things where how much of that is just going into the most ridiculous places and spaces yeah covid protocols is another one yeah insurance food there's things like well in the case of marvel films constant reshoots changing things late in the game 
costs a lot of money. Whereas I feel like with the creator, it was okay. I didn't think it was amazing, but I sort of appreciated that it existed more than I actually really liked it because it's good to see there's still people doing this, albeit infrequently, but I enjoyed the concept of it. What is it? What is the creator? It's about emerging AI and the rights of AI and all that stuff, but it ends up forgetting all that and turning it into more of an action piece, which is not what I was expecting based on the trailer. Again, trailers are can be rubbish, but it was good. I'll say that. It was certainly watchable and the fact that it exists is very good as well in the current climate. Mm-hmm. Sequels and remakes and reboots. And then you've got an original sci-fi idea. Well, that is a rare gem. Yeah. So well done for those people for making that then. Yeah. And for such a tight budget. Yeah. Because that's definitely one of the things that I was going to say, the number of things that are just old. And I feel like there's a few of those that we're going to cover tonight. Yeah, and the last thing I saw, this may surprise you, it may not, but I went to see the Taylor Swift Eras Tour in IMAX. And I had a great time. I was going to say, are you wee swifty? <laughs> I maybe wouldn't go that far. And you are now. I didn't know a lot of her songs, so a lot of it went over my head. And when it comes to concerts like that, I always feel like they're maybe a bit too overproduced, as in it's very scripted. Every step of it is accounted for because she needs to stand where the lights are going to be or where the effect is going to appear. So there's yeah. a lack of spontaneity to it, which meant that the performing was, well, good very sort of machine-like in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. But she's really good. And the fact that she's two years younger than me and insanely successful, it's hard to fathom the level of success she enjoys. And I'm not saying she hasn't earned it because she most definitely has, but it's just the idea of, wow, look at how much she's achieved at her age. She literally has armies of people that are willing to follow her with her opinions and things. It's, it's nuts. It really is. But very good. It's a very good show. Yeah. And they've been there for a long time. Yeah, I feel like I got more out of it in the cinema than I might have done actually being there because it's a very staged and scripted set piece really. So it almost felt like, yeah, I probably should be in the cinema watching this. So it's just the tour, it's just the gig. Yeah, I think it's missing three or four songs or something like that. So is that what it is? It's the concert. Yeah, and when I went to see it in IMAX, it had four other people in the screening I was in. So that was weird because I hear about these sellout cinema venues in the US and stuff where people were treating it like a gig. Were they singing along? No, there was... Some head bobbing and foot tapping. That does happen here. Like I mentioned before, when I worked in the cinema, they regularly had recorded live gigs or even live streamed gigs. It was like a new thing at the time. And they would be packed full of people. And the first one I remember working, I thought, no one's going to turn up to this. Who would want to come and sit? in a cinema screen but it's accessible for so many people so a lot of people who maybe can't get to concerts or they don't find those environments comfortable it's a real bridge to enjoying that gig experience it widens the net for sure yeah i'm all for it do more of it yeah i don't see any slowdown of that event leaving the cinema yeah but that's pretty much all i've been watching so Move on to some quick plugs. Do you have anything to plug that you've been doing that you want people to check out? That I've been doing? Yeah. Any creative outlets that you want people to go towards? No, I haven't really, actually. I mean, I'm still making and wearing my own earrings. So, hi. If you are on Etsy, you can check out Disaster Fashion. Disaster underscore fashion. All recycled, upcycled, reused. It's all about diverting materials from landfill and wearing them to decorate yourself. I hadn't planned that. I didn't know that that's what you were going to ask me. So, surprise. (laughs) What's on the agenda? If only I could read. (laughs) (laughs) 
Cool. Well, I'll put the link to that in the show notes and people can go peruse at their leisure. Oh, I appreciate it. My plugs are, I've done a couple of interviews. One is for that Mortal Kombat movie I was talking about. I interviewed Kelly Hugh, who played a character called Ashra, I think it was. Yes. And the other one was Rick Morales, who's the producer, and had good chats with him. And you may be wondering, how could I talk to an actor? Aren't they on strike? Well, not in this case. She wasn't under a SAG contract for that animated movie the animation guild has their own union so she was able to talk about that movie that she was in as a voice so the animation guild that's a separate thing yeah huh i'm learning so much yeah but there's lots of stuff i learned the other interview i did which should be out by the time this comes out was with a guy called wes mack Mm. he's plugging his new album that he spent two years making during the lockdown pandemic situation and it's pretty good country pop star thing but he was also been a bunch of stuff that I, i've watched things like smallville and supernatural and things like that and he was only too happy to talk about his experience on them he properly lit up when i was asking about them because he just loved talking about them Aww. and he's not under a sag contract either which meant he's allowed to talk about that it's not crossing any picket lines he's under some kind of canadian union wow that's a tricky place to be isn't it yeah we do support the actors be on strike until you get what you need is what i say yeah protect yourself and your skill set and your knowledge and your information and your voice that is not to be played with by technology so yeah glad to hear that and i've probably appeared in a couple of we made this podcast so i'm not sure what's coming out and when so i'm not entirely sure i did a movie versus episode with bo nicholson about pacific rim which is a film i love Oh my gosh, yeah, you do not stop talking about that. <laughs> There's a podcast on this podcast about it and did it again for Movieversaries where I convinced Bo that it's a film worth enjoying where he wasn't keen for it before we started talking. Yeah, I'm probably on the side of Bo. <laughs> <laughs> did you convince them to change their mind? Yeah, he was like, I'm seeing what you're seeing now. By the end of it, it's very funny. It's this journey. Wow, you're so persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> Good conversation. That passion won, won the day. It's just you've been like, it's the best. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some trailers then. Talk about some stuff that's coming out. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let's start with The Beekeeper, which is a Jason Statham action movie. I like Jason Statham. I think he's very good at what he does, which isn't much. He has a very single lane of talent. Yeah. He's specifically charismatic when he does it and he's believable in action. And it looks like he's having a blast here. David Ayer as a director is pretty variable in quality. Suicide Squad is awful, for example. Fury is not bad, etc. So it could go either way. It has that neon-soaked cinematography that was in vogue a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's a throwback or it's just been so long in development that it's just the way it is. Yeah, it feels like a relic of the early 2000s that's only just seen some sort of light in terms of content and aesthetics. Most of Statham's movies are like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I did enjoy, from the trailer, the use of Nine Inch Nails. And that's something that I'll bring up in another trailer later on, actually, is that if you have the right song choice, does it make or break the trailer? So I thought really good use of the song, but because the trailer is so bad, I actually really resented that they used Nine Inch Nails <laughs> for the trailer. I wrote a single line down for this I just wrote can't be bothered with movies like this right now I feel like movies like that had a place and a time and it might also be because Netflix seems to be steaming with piles of this kind of film right now and I just don't think I'm into it 
at all. How are you feeling? Are you going to go and see it? Probably, yeah. It'll probably be a good Saturday afternoon, hopefully breezy, less than two hours of just Jason Statham inflicting carnage on people. Chance will be a fine thing. <laughs> and making a lot of really bad bee puns. I protect the hive, all that stuff. Oh, God. That whole special program protects the hive. <laughs> Who are you protecting? That sort of really pure American for the people against, I don't know, some sort of capitalism. It sounds like it should be a good film, but I just don't think I got anything from it that I'd want to watch. And I also wanted to say, is the trailer age rated? Because it was a little bit graphic. I think it might have been the Red Band trailer that I put the link to. Okay. There's a guy who gets cable tied. He's got broken fingers or something. He gets like, cable tied to a vehicle. And then the vehicle goes over the side of the building. And I was like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, just not vibing with it at this moment of time. Sorry, Jason Statham. Yeah, well, there's another 50 films that you might vibe with that he's probably got coming out soon. So he'll be okay, <laughs> I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Argyle, which may be Henry Cavill's Bond audition. Mm -hmm. Who knows? It's similar to The Lost City, the Sandra Bullock film, as an, an author getting involved in a real version of her own story, almost. And seems to have a great cast. Brian Cranston, Sam Rockwell, Samuel Jackson, John Cena. Yeah. I wrote down, Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson movie, Stranger Than Fiction? Question mark. <laughs> it's like an extreme version of that. I didn't like the trailer. Oh, right. Okay. Not even the cat. No, I couldn't figure out who, I mean, I think I do know who their audience target is, but I think it's just knowing that that's not me. Hmm. They're not targeting that film at me. Oh, the whole cat thing looks ridiculous, but in a really terrible way. <laughs> I think I got a little bit excited when I saw Stina and Cavill together. I was like, maybe that'll be an interesting duo, but it really fell flat for me. And I can't believe the trailer I watched had 15 million views. <laughs> How is this at 15 million views? Well, we were two of them. Yeah. I was actually more than two of them. I watched it more than twice. You've watched it multiple times? I saw it once and then I, I saw it again to take notes and then I realised I wasn't paying enough attention so I rewound it. Oh, Craig. <laughs> Have you watched that three times? Matthew Vaughn is always good as well. I usually like his films, Kick-Ass and Kingsman and so on. Yeah, I could see that that's been his style. I think watching trailers and then talking about them has been, I mean, this is a first for me, but watching them and then thinking oh what does this remind me of oh what is this style like and then seeing where I've gotten it right where I'm like oh yeah it's that guy I'm like of course so yeah it definitely read like one of their films yeah well we'll see if it ends up being a good setup for Henry Cavill getting the Bond role if he ever gets it oh god I just feel like it's going to be a terrible film and it's probably going to do very well <laughs> and it probably shouldn't well I'll let you know because I will see it <laughs> Next up, we have The Iron Claw. I'm not usually a fan of Zac Efron, but this looks like one of those films where an actor who's usually not known for excellent performances transforms himself in some way. What are you talking about? Did you never see Seventeen again? No, I didn't. It's great. I could not believe that Zac Efron and Matthew Perry are the same person. Oh, come on. Are there not like 10 years between them or something like that, age-wise? Oh, I don't know. It's probably more than that. Efron's been in loads of stuff. He was in The Greatest Showman. He can sing. He can play basketball. The Greatest Showman was okay. I actually hate The Greatest Showman, but he was okay. In Baywatch, he was in that. I didn't see that. 
but was tempted. It's not very good. Yeah, I wrote Efron and that guy from the Bear, Jeffrey Allen White, and I feel really bad referring to him as that, but it's just because it took me ages trying to remember the name of the Bear TV show, which is ridiculous because I loved it, but I was like, boiling point? And then I had to look, I was really struggling. I was on the <laughs> bus like, what was the name of that TV show? Got there eventually. Interesting. I wrote, like Rocky, but wrestling in some kind of bromance situation. I don't know much about Kevin Vaughn, Eric, or his family, which this film is about. It's a true story, right? Yeah, based on a true story. But it's definitely one of those where the actor goes into it and they just disappear into the role or try to disappear into the role. You see that sometimes with actors where, Zac Efron, you said he's been good and stuff. I would disagree, but... He does sort of pigeonhole himself into these kind of forgettable rom-com roles. He's done so many of them. I think he has, but I think he has done a couple of films where he's really broken out of that. Probably, I just haven't seen them. (laughs) I think he's possibly going the Robert Pattinson route where he's getting out of that sort of teen, early 20s movies that they're good at, that they get pigeoned into, or that they just work with because they enjoy it, but will start exploring a bit more radical movie making stuff i can't think of anything off the top of my head but i feel like he has started doing that so i think this is gonna take him in a different direction for sure which i think he can do i think he is a good actor i think he just needs to be given the material to work with and this could be a really good situation for him well we'll see how it goes he's getting older he can't be charming and shirtless forever can he well i don't know he can try i wrote a welcome trailer after watching beekeeper and argyle Oh, okay. Next up we have Priscilla, which is another film that has Elvis in it. And I do wonder if the discourse around this film will be more about which film about Elvis or with Elvis in it had the better Elvis. Is it Jacob Lordy or is it Austin Butler, which is the better Elvis, which gets away from what this film is about? Well, yeah, he's not the main character in this. Yeah, he's a sporting character. Kaylee Spaney, I've seen her in a couple of things. She's really good and she looks like she's doing a good job here. I don't know an awful lot about Priscilla as a person i do know that their relationship began when she was 13 or something like that it's one of those it was very of the time thing that wasn't deemed as being creepy or grooming at the time not that it wasn't yeah i think she was like 15 or something she was really young it's a classic r kelly Aaliyah situation it's quite interesting when i was at the cinema the other day i think there was a trailer for it and it looks very beautifully shot it looks stylistically like a Lana Del Rey album come to life Sofia Coppola directing so that's not surprising yeah it looks really good and I definitely felt really drawn in by the trailer in the cinema but when I was watching it tonight I think I watched a different trailer because the takeaway from it I think it was just one of those it wasn't the teaser trailer I think it had more in it so it came off as a sort of yeah quite dynamic aggro situation looks like they're gonna show a lot of maybe what has been kept hidden for quite a long time I'm not sure based on the second trailer I've seen I think if I'd just seen the teaser trailer I was all on board to just go and lose myself in that era that beautiful dreamlike sequence but part of me is like why is this coming out now and what is it gonna tell us I think I'll go and see it I do like Sofia Coppola also depends what Priscilla herself is willing to release because she's had input yeah I think she was consulted and she gave her input and she channeled a lot of stuff I think that's in there and I'm pretty sure because she's written a memoir as well right at least one I'm sure she's got a couple so I think a lot of the content has come from these books 
It will have, yeah. Which is information that she shared with the public. It's just not information that I maybe know. It's not our generation. I mean, it's music we're aware of. It's icon that we're of course aware of. You can't not be. So it feels like a film again that maybe would have come out 20, 30 years ago. So part of me is just kind of like, I wonder what's happened for it to be made now. But maybe it's just to make her voice more known to a new generation and share something. I'm not too sure. And I'm sure timing it for shortly after the big Elvis movie is no accident. Mm, I didn't even really think about that. I wonder, was there any plan for them to have been made at the same time? I haven't actually seen the Elvis film. Is Priscilla featured in that quite a bit? She's in it, yeah. Not massively though, because it's not about her, but she's sort of on the sidelines some of the time. My problem with Elvis is it's that standard biopic structure of birth to death. So you never really zero in on anything specific. You're just, and then this happened, and then that happened, and that happened, and then he died. I think the better biopics are, here's three weeks of their life that sort of defines them in a way. You know, like Walk the Line. That's what I'm thinking of. I think that's a really good example of a musical biopic thing. Yeah, Walk the Line was really good. So, who knows? I think I'll want to go and see it. And I also think it's the kind of film that's probably going to have a really fantastic soundtrack. And I don't mean Elvis music. I mean just in general. I'm imagining that the soundtrack will be well-considered and probably quite beautiful. Okay, let's move on to Wonka, which is the origin of Willy Wonka, starring Timothy Chalamet. I'm not sure about Timothy Chalamet in this role, but... I love Paul King. I love the two Paddington movies. I haven't seen either. Is he the director? Yes, he is, of those two films. There's a third one, but Paul King's not Uh. directing that, which (laughs) comes out at some point. I feel like I need to watch them. I've not seen them. Yeah, you should. They're just so positive and optimistic, and they're like warm hugs of films. I hope that's P-A-W positive. Sure. (laughs) I don't know why, but I've written down for some of the trailers how many views they'd had. And this one had 31 million views. (laughs) And I was just kind of like, what? And then I watched it and I still asked myself, what? Timothy Chalamet is very popular. He is. And I do get it because he's in quite a few Wes Anderson things and he's fantastic and I've enjoyed that. I haven't seen Dune, so I haven't seen him in that, but I just wonder how many times are we going to make a Willy Wonka movie? Well, at least three. But why? They're straying further and further from the book. And I feel as a child who had this incredible box set of Rodal books and read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and had that book while I was reading it in my bunk bed at night with my little lamp that was attached to the wall. And then I would stuff the book in between the bit of my bed frame and my mattress and then would wake up in the morning and I'd have to start reading it again. I loved that book and I feel like all they're doing now is just getting further and further away from the story. I couldn't remember the name. Some of my notes here, you'll probably be able to help me, Craig, but I just wrote down early naughties feel like Pan meets that film where that person lives in a clock. The one with Sasha Baron Cohen in it. What's that one? Hugo, maybe. Yeah, it made me think of Pan meets Hugo. Well, yeah, I can see that. And I just it's not the story of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Well, no, it's Willy Wonka's origin story. So it's before he makes the Chocolate Factory. But why? Because that's what they do now. We get hints of that in the Johnny Depp one that came out. We don't need to focus on that and we don't need it to be done in the style, I think, that 
they're making it in or it's been made in feels like it should be great but it feels really old-fashioned but not old-fashioned 60s 70s it feels like old noughties fashioned and I just don't know if that's a place that I want to be dwelling in but it is a musical and that's kind of rare so that could be something although the trailer doesn't really tell you it's a musical but it is I think both before have been musicals the original movie had songs the Gene Wilder one yeah that's a musical yeah and the one with Johnny Depp had songs and it had different songs well, it has the Oompa Loompa stuff, yeah. I feel like I'm really coming across as the Grinch right now, but I just don't see... And uh, it's not a stance I thought I was going to have. I thought if it was going to offer us something that felt kind of like magic, I'd be all in for it. But I just don't see why we need it. And I'm not convinced by Chalamet as Willy Wonka at this moment in time. I hope the film could prove me wrong. He doesn't seem deranged enough, does he? Yeah, just a bit too tentative. I feel like Willy Wonka needs to have a bit of crazy behind the eyes, yeah. doesn't he? He needs to be unhinged. Yeah, he's just a young shoot. It's an interesting one. Tom Holland was also up for the role because there are no other actors in Hollywood, apparently, other than those two <laughs> for roles like this. I like them both, but I don't know if I can imagine either as Wonka and... I think they'll be talking about how they want to bring it to a whole new generation. But sometimes you've got to grow up watching those classics and that can be origin enough. Or maybe it's this generation's Wonka. Who knows? We'll see. Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa though. That's definitely quite fun. Oh, I wasn't vibing with it. Maybe he'll get his own spin-off instead of Minions. It'll be Oompa Loompas. Oh God. No, thank you. One more time for the people in the back. No, thank you. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll move on to Orphan Black Echoes, which is a spin-off of Orphan Black, a show that I haven't seen, but I'm always told I'll love it. I really like Kristen Ritter, even in bad projects. Yeah, I thought you would have seen this. No, I've never seen Orphan Black. I know I should have, but I haven't. This looks good. It seems to have a horror mystery vibe in this trailer, which I don't know if that's the parent show or not. I haven't seen it, and I have to say, I think I've also had people say that they think I would enjoy it or that I should watch it. I found the trailer really intriguing. I don't know what it is. I don't really know what it's talking about, but I would watch it. I feel like it was one of the first trailers of the evenings watching that I thought, hmm, maybe I could actually get into this. It feels like it echoes the island a little bit. You know, the Ewan McGregor one and Scarlett <laughs> Johansson and any Black Mirror episode feels like a sort of mash of that so i don't know i feel like i could watch it yeah well it'll be out at some point you probably won't have to wait too long to see it i'm not sure are you gonna watch it are you adding it to your list probably i'll, I'll maybe give it a look although i should probably at least have a look at the parent show at some point i mean i'm in no rush i'm still in 2016 right now so in about five to ten years you'll have gotten around to it yeah i'll come into it and i'll look wow that's great move on i'm interested what you think of this because i know you're a disney person but wish Disney's new thing. I'd like the look of this wish fulfillment and the whole be careful what you wish for thing. I quite like the idea of wishes being managed or controlled because everybody getting their wish granted would be absolute chaos. Let's face it. Just look at Wonder Woman 84 or maybe don't, but that's what happens there. Everyone gets their wish granted and it's just insane. Or maybe in Bruce Almighty, he just replies yes to all the prayers and everybody gets what they want, but no one gets what they want. So I get this idea. Wishing is politics and bureaucracy. Chris Pine is a bad king. Quite like that idea. I like Chris Pine. I like his voice. So I'm, I'm keen for that. There's a hint at the earworm song in the trailer and we have an animal sidekick. So all the ingredients are there. Yeah, all the ingredients are there. It is a perfect recipe, I think, for Disney. I 
didn't know that a new film was coming out. I was in the Lego store a couple of days ago and I did see a whole bunch of box sets for something called Wish. And I was like, oh, what is this? I haven't heard of it. It felt like a really old grown up. <laughs> and then I think watching the trailer tonight, it did that thing where it sparked a little Disney joy in me. And I thought of Tangled and Moana and Encanto Magic and Frozen. And of course, all of the producers from those movies are involved in some way. I think it's following along a line of new generation Disney. And I quite like where it's going. It looks sweet, just looks like a nice sweet film where we'll all get a little life lesson from it. So yeah, it looks quite cute. Be careful what you wish for slash don't give up on your dreams. I don't know. Something. With another trailer, I've written Be Careful What You Wish For and it's made me think of Goosebumps and I was like, oh, I can't say that yet. I want to keep it for that one, but it's true. It feels like it's the child version of that, I think. Yeah, cool. Well, maybe it'll be a Disney classic. Maybe we'll be sick of hearing whatever the song's called, like we were with Let It Go and all the other ones. Yeah, I think it's a Disney classic of the future. Well, we can only but hope. Yeah. Next thing is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which is an animated adaptation of the original comics which has more time to tell its story than the film had it has all of the voice cast from the film returning to reprise their roles oh that's cool it looks like an epileptic fever dream that's what i put in my notes oh no i mean i'm not epileptic but it does look like that there's so many yeah bright lights and flashing stuff and lots of movement and everything it just looks very stylized that was the intro scene wasn't it for the film that sort of very graphic novel take and hyper anime i had just popped down pleasantly surprised it was animated i think <laughs> because i hadn't heard anything about it and i just read scott pilgrim takes off and i thought oh god what is this now are they making a new film because i don't know if i can be bothered with that and so when i saw the trailer i was a bit pleasantly surprised feels kind of nostalgic again we're going to talk about the early noughties quite a lot here i came to a realization watching that trailer which kind of bummed me out a little bit was that the noughties aesthetic is to now what the 80s aesthetic is to us Ugh. and i was like damn <laughs> <laughs> But then the noughties aesthetic was riffing on earlier times, so it's all just a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah, it is. But that sort of weird nostalgia that we get when we see the 80s aesthetic and colour charts and texture wheels, whatever, for the 80s. All of those feelings, that is what the noughties gives to the kids of today. And that made me feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> So I hope it's good. It looks kind of cute. It looks like it's honouring its origins, which is quite nice. I never read Scott Pilgrim. I only ever saw the movie again because what? I worked in a cinema. I played the game though, the arcade style side-scrolling beat-em-up game. I've played that. Oh yeah? Yeah. Huh. I didn't even know that existed. Was it on PlayStation 3? I think it was. I'm sure there's a lot of people who will be really happy that that has been made, but it doesn't really change my life. I'll give it a look. We'll see. I'm not huge in anime though, it, it just doesn't grab me, but I liked the Scott Pilgrim movie, so mm. the idea of just seeing everybody doing it again, but in animated form and taking the, the animation from the, the manga and bringing it to life, that's definitely going to excite a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, huge fan following, so we'll see what happens, I'm sure. Because it's a series, isn't it? Yes, it's the entire run of the comic adapted as a series rather than a film, so you have however many hours to tell your story rather than just two. Great. 
can get into it. Well, that was the thing, because I think with the film, it definitely felt like a whole bunch of characters were introduced, but you couldn't really dwell on any of them. It was kind of like, boom, next, boom, next. So that would be cute. Yeah, there's potential of an episode per Evil X. Mm, or maybe a whole series, if they're smart about it. Well, who knows? You don't want to overload it as well. Pacing is a thing. Yeah. All right, what's next? Next is one that I definitely don't need, is Good Burger 2. I have never been a fan oh, of Keenan and Kel. I did see the Keenan and Kel show when I was younger. Uh-huh. I watched it because it was on. It was kind of on before school and it was, this is on. I'll just watch it because there's literally nothing else to watch. But it was just garbage. I liked Keenan and Kel. And I've seen the first Good Burger and I hate it as well. One thing I've got in my notes is about Kel, how it wasn't until a few years ago that I thought he was dead. Because someone just told me he was dead in the early 2000s. There was a rumour. Yeah. And the internet wasn't as prevalent as it is now, so you just didn't check. Someone told you and you just believed it. Honestly, yeah. Mean people spreading those (laughs) rumours. I've never seen Good Burger 1. And when you said, oh, there was a Good Burger 2, and I was like, what is that? And then when I googled it, or just searched it on YouTube, and then I was like, oh, Kenan and Kel. And I just felt kind of sad, because I just wrote down... What has happened? Dot, dot, dot. Time did. Time has happened. <laughs> who is this for? Because the kids who enjoyed Kieran and Kel, us, aren't into it. So why are they making it? And I've just written down, why is Kel acting like Ted Theodore Logan? He really is leaning into a really particular Keanu Reeves character. It made me so sad. And it was the last trailer I watched out of all of the trailers. It made me so sad I had to cheer myself up with a Lucille Bluth quotes compilation. <laughs> it just feels like, yeah, why are you doing this? Who is this for? You're trying to capitalise nostalgia again, but is anybody nostalgic for Good Burger? Probably. Statistically, someone will be, but I am not. But Kel surely is capable of acting in another way. I guess, but apparently not. Oh, I don't know, because I feel like Keenan has done other stuff, right? So what's Kel been up to? He was in Snakes on a Plane. That's Keenan, not Kel. Well, that's other stuff. But I saw Kel and I was like, oh, time has happened. <laughs> it just made me really sad. Here you are, stuck back doing the same old thing you were doing 20 odd years ago. Yeah, a really long time. Wouldn't it be amazing if it did well? Because then that would be really positive. But I just don't see how that's going to happen. No, it's going to go on Paramount Plus and it'll just die. Unlike Kel, who is very much alive. Oh God, why did you have to say that? (laughs) Well, it's true. He didn't die, much as we were told back in the early 2000s or whatever it was. God, that reminds me. I remember when one of my school friends messaged me to be like, oh, Mark Hoppus has died. And I was like, what? And I was devastated. And then obviously it wasn't true. Back when you still had dial-up internet and I was like, what is this? And I was like, why would someone make that up? You made my little sister cry. People still do that though. They put on Twitter that someone's died and they haven't. Oh, people are so sick. Yeah. Let's move on to something a bit less comedic. Oh, they're going to say less depressing. Well, this is definitely more depressing. Aileen or Eileen, however you're going to pronounce it. I think it's Eileen. Looks really intense. Psychologist taking advantage of her position to corrupt and groom someone. But I do love Anne Hathaway when she does roles like this. She's mm-hmm. really good when she dials up the mania i suppose the evilness yeah dials up the acting <laughs> she's a very good actor yeah i think early on in the trailer oh, i feel really bad i can never remember this guy's name and i know that gus would know his name immediately i just wrote down yes it's got that guy who's always in the 50s gangster movies and in that thing you do but i can't remember his name 
Do you know his name? Shea Wiggum, is that who you're thinking of? I don't know, that doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, he's a middle-aged guy. Has he got like a squarish head? Yeah. Nice teeth. Yeah, it'll be Shea Wiggum you're thinking of. Okay, I can never remember his name. Yeah, it looks quite interesting. I feel like it's the kind of film I might enjoy, and I haven't seen a film like that for a little while, so yeah, I think if I've got a free afternoon when it comes out, and it's raining outside, I might go and see it. You could just go and feel unsettled for a couple hours. Yeah, but it looks like a good psychological sort of thriller. Yeah. Thomas and Mackenzie, no relation that I know Ooh, of. Oh yeah, that's right. Spelled the same though. Last Night in Soho and Jojo Rabbit. I was liking the Soho Jojo situation. She was in that, yeah. Yeah, I think she'll be great. I think this will be a really interesting film to have those two actors centre stage. Well, this next one may not be so interesting, or maybe it is, I don't know. Anyone but you. Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. The story is they are both attractive, but aren't attracted to each other and have to pretend to be a couple for some wedding or something. Why? I don't know. The trailer doesn't tell you why they have to pretend to be a couple. It doesn't say anything. I have to say there's some guff on this list, but this is the guffest. <laughs> I was kind of waiting by the music. I thought maybe it's going to get twisted or dark or there's going to be something that happens that gives us an insight into another level. Kind of like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of thing where it's their agents, but it just looks like what's the point? Yeah. Although the subversion may be that, oh look, they're really hot, but they're not hot for each other. Isn't that a surprise? I don't care. Honestly, I'm like, how is this a film? How is it anything? I also feel like Sydney Sweeney's better than that because she's usually pretty good and certainly what I've seen her in, which isn't a lot, admittedly. I don't know. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Maybe she's paying off a cinema screen TV that she's buying. Who's the writer for this? Who has written this? Who's directed it? What have they done before? The director has done a range of stuff. Anything good? Is there anything that gives us an inclination that it might lead to something or be unexpected somehow or be at all interesting. Well, Will Gluck, he directed Easy A, which I thought was really good. The two Peter Rabbit movies with James Corden voicing Peter Rabbit. I haven't seen those. Do not need to see them. Okay. You're not convincing me. Friends with Benefits. Yeah, you're still not convincing Easy A is really good. If it's Easy A-esque, it'll be good. Does the trailer look like it's Easy A-esque? I'm no. I'm going to go with no. But I don't know if the trailer <laughs> for Easy A made it look like it was Easy A. I I haven't seen Easy, but it's one of those ones where I think it's just skipped past me, but I would watch it. It looks like I would enjoy it. I've never seen the trailer for Easy A, so I have no idea how it was marketed. Oh, Craig, I get absolutely nothing from this. I actually think I get <laughs> less than nothing from this trailer. It feels like a non-thing. It feels like it's been made because being filter-friendly and attractive is in. And I'm like, I don't get it. So you're not interested in the hot leads? Uh, no, come on. I don't understand. I just don't understand how this is a thing. We may never understand. I think we've talked more than enough about it. It looks terrible. So let's jump into Napoleon. Yeah, let's see. Napoleon looks big and epic. Ridley Scott can definitely put together something like this. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Napoleon's history other than the stuff that's just sort of memed, I suppose, over the years. He's really short, the Napoleon complex, all yeah. that stuff. Joaquin Phoenix has certainly nailed the arrogance in his performance in the trailer. Yeah. Again, I think this is a trailer that looks good on a big screen. And so I feel like I will go and see this in a movie theatre because I want to see this kind of film portrayed. Epic scale, epic storyline, really massive. I think I'm with you. We didn't cover Napoleon in school. 
And so we didn't really discuss his politics or his motives and any of that. So I just Googled very quickly, Napoleon, good or bad? (laughs) And it's quite interesting because I think for the current political climate to make a massive movie with, a, I think, a perfectly cast Joaquin Phoenix. It's very interesting to focus on a historical figure who was known for repressing freedom of the press and was known for creating a greedy nobility alongside mammoth responsibility for the death of three and a half to six million people. So I think in this kind of climate where we are seeing the rise of fascism, the rise of the far right, the Western media portraying incredible biases towards what's happening in the Middle East and across quite a few countries in Africa, particularly towards the people of Palestine. Everything that's going on right now makes this film coming out feel incredibly perfectly timed. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to see it. But I do think this kind of film feels perfect for Joaquin Phoenix. Do you remember when Joaquin Phoenix retired or stepped away from acting? Yeah, and then he came back in the Joker of all things. I know, and it was great. And I was so glad that he came back. I hated Joker. Really? I was a bit on the fence at some parts, but I think for a lot of people, it was a fantastic depiction of mental health and talking about mental health and particularly with men. And so I found it really, really incredible that way. There was definitely things I didn't like about it, but in terms of that overall theme, very interesting. But Joaquin Phoenix just feels like the perfect film for him to be that character. I think you said at the start that arrogance, that quite pointed figure, feels like he's captured it quite well. And again, I think Ridley Scott, we know that we're in for a bit of a journey with it. And it also feels like there's some moments of light relief where it's not maybe taking itself so seriously in the trailer. So yeah, I think I'm very interested to see this actually. And Ridley Scott is in his 80s. He's making films like this. Is he? Slow down. You're an old man. Jeez. Oh, never stop. Do what you like. Age is a number. (laughs) He'll drop dead on set making something. That's what will happen. At the age of 153. (laughs) It was interesting you were talking about where it might sit thematically and how that's relevant to today. And there's a big discussion that's happening online at the moment about media literacy and about how some people don't seem to have it anymore or some don't seem interested in it. The idea of reading films is more than the thing that they actually are in front of you. So, well, for example, you talked about seeing A Haunting in Venice. That is actually a film about the pandemic in a way, because you see this whole people coming out of isolation after a plague and all this and a war. And it may be set in the past, but it's likened to our recent situation because we can understand. Oh, I didn't read it like that at all. But it's in there. I didn't read it that way either, but I saw someone comment on it online. I was like, oh yeah, okay, I see it. Okay, so that's an interesting perspective. Is it something that can be teased out? Especially knowing that the material, the original storyline is older than the pandemic yeah but you can sort of refit these ideas to conform to not even conform just to knock on the door of things that we all relate to yeah i suppose yeah i definitely was thinking about that ptsd side of thing with that doctor and hunting in venice and post-war no one knowing or understanding what that looked like that was an interesting thing but i guess yeah you could tease it out to be something like the pandemic yeah, in the same way that you talk about Napoleon with fascism, it could mm. be the how does fascism rise and here's how it happened at this point in history and here's how it's happening now sort of idea. Make you think about how it's happening now. Money, money, money. Yeah. Money. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, 
but yeah, I think one that I think I'll definitely be in the cinema for, and that is a rarity for the 20 trailers I watched. <laughs> this was one that I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to see this in the cinema for sure. Double bill of anyone but you and Napoleon <laughs> around at the same time. <laughs> Too soon. No way. That would be an interesting day at the cinema. No, thank you. Next one, Leave the World Behind. It's another apocalypse, this time a cyber one. It again speaks to that legitimate fear that we all have about AI taking over the world and killing us all or replacing us all. I don't know what to make of it based on the trailer. It's very quick and difficult to pin down, but it's a great cast and it seems pretty claustrophobic, yeah. so maybe it'll be good. Well, yeah, the trailer felt like that, so good job if that's an indication of the film. Interesting, it's based on a book. It's funny, I've gotten back into Audible and one of the things I listened to was a book called Educated by Sarah Westover and it's a story of a woman who grows up in a really extreme Mormon household and how she sort of finds a way away from that doomsday prepper mentality that her parents live under because Y2K hasn't happened yet and they're really convinced that the computers are going to implode and that everything's going to end and so they have this warehouse full of food that they've canned and ammo and everything and it made me think about that and how that is a real living situation for a lot of people who really can't get away from thinking about this doomsday scenario. I don't know what the book is, I don't know really, again from the trailer, what the film's going to look like, but it's a pretty good cast. Roberts, Hawk, Bacon, but I just don't know if I know what it means or it's going to look like. I normally feel quite captured by that sort of doomsday prep situation, but I just don't know if I actually feel like I care about this one. Maybe you're apocalypsed out. God, I never thought this day would come. <laughs> maybe. It's because the real one's so close and you just, you don't want to be overloaded. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I'm like, no, I want to go to the cinema for distractions away from that situation, <laughs> not to view it. So, no, thank you. I don't want to think about AI or global warming. Leave yeah. me alone. Do you feel drawn in by the trailer? Do you think that you'll go and see it? Well, it's a Netflix thing, so unlikely. There's a running joke on these maybe it's not even a joke i find it funny on these news podcasts <laughs> that i talk about netflix trailers and literally never get around to watching anything on netflix oh really yeah i think it's because it's always there and then whenever i do they tend to just mm. be at best fine because netflix seem to be in the business of making films that are just fine mm -hmm. directors and writers have gone on record of saying that netflix have spoken to them and said that their film isn't second screen enough as in, you have to pay attention to understand this, so dumb it down for the audience that are peering at it over their phone screen. I feel like with Netflix particularly, we're being punished for paying attention, and I don't like being punished for paying attention. Oh, what is this world coming to? It's depressing. It's to be expected, I suppose, that that's the kind of thing that would exist, but thanks for telling us that that's also what you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you think we're all idiots. Thank you. You don't value us as viewers. Yeah. So content to you. Yeah. It's a horrible term for creative stuff but also maybe they're right yeah well i don't think i'll watch it i don't think i'm that drawn in by it to be honest. yeah fair enough i don't disagree the next thing this is also a netflix thing that i might watch tomb raider the legend of lara croft she's not in this trailer but Haley atwell is voicing lara croft and it's proper anime big and epic and dramatic based on the newer video games who's Haley atwell she's in the captain america movies She's in the uh, latest Mission Impossible movie. She's okay. all over the place. She's in some Black Mirror as well. One episode of that, maybe. But she's really good. And I remember when this was announced, I was thinking, you're getting Hayley Atwell to voice for Lara Croft, which is all well and good, but there's loads of voice actors that could also do that, mm -hmm. that probably need the work more than she does. Obviously going to bring something to it. Yeah, I guess. But the animation looks really cool. 
Yeah, again, interesting choice. And again, I just wrote down, glad to see it's animated. I think when I'd seen that Tomb Raider was on the list, I thought, oh God, who can they get that's going to replace Angelina Jolie as Lara Croft? Because for me, she is the epitome. She is Lara Croft to me. She's 90s Lara Croft, yeah. Well, do we have to go that old? 90s? Naughties? But for me, she is Lara Croft. Well, that, that's when the games came out. And I think seeing that it was animated, I thought, oh, that's a really good way of getting around that. They don't have to pay Angelina Jolie. They don't have to pay another actress to come and try and make her look like that. They could just draw her. <laughs> they could just draw her and make her look like that. There's not much in the trailer. That was less than a minute. It was really fast and it definitely felt like a super tease trailer. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. It feels like this is the kind of thing that back in the day you'd get up at half six in the morning your parents would still be in bed it's maybe saturday morning you'd pour yourself a massive bowl of cocoa pops or something <laughs> and then you'd go and put on the tv and it feels like the kind of cartoon that would be on at 6 30 in the morning or it's on during live and kicking there's a niche reference yeah. for our older viewers i guess let us know if you used to watch live and kicking but yeah do you know what i mean it feels like that kind of thing yeah. and i'm not mad at it again nostalgic it feels quite nostalgic and i don't know when you're in your 30s i guess that's maybe a welcome thing it's quite nice it's also based on the more recent video games in terms of its look as well okay. so it's not going to just be for 90s fans of lara croft or whatever so it's kind of catering to all bases in that sense and yeah angeline jolie was really good the alicia vikander film was pretty good i thought it was okay she played again more modern lara croft rather than the traditional unrealistically proportioned Lara Croft. Lara Croft is different things to different people. Yeah, again, just feels like get up at 6.30, pour yourself a big <laughs> cereal, get on the Netflix, get ready for school. This is a Saturday morning you're talking about, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Saturday morning. Yeah, well, you know, it's all groovy. The next thing I have to say, I read the title of and I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. But actually, I got so into the trailer that I just wrote, I want to watch it. That thing is Lisa Frankenstein. Lisa Frankenstein. I love Catherine Newton. She's Lisa and she's awesome in everything that she's in. It seems to be about the notion of people being lonely and the extremes they might go to in order to fix that or find what yeah. they think they want and try and create whatever they want. Just wrote zombies. It's been a while. <laughs> we can't overlook the fact that the music for the trailer is Kim Petras and it's one of her early tracks. And I love Kim Petras. So I think that when I see Gus, I'm going to make him watch this trailer <laughs> and see what he thinks about the music. Again, like Nine Inch Nails with The Beekeeper. I mean, I love Nine Inch Nails and so I really wanted to get behind that trailer and that film. I couldn't, but it was a good choice of song. I think that the combination of Lisa Frankenstein and this Kim Petra song, fantastic. It's done its job. I want to watch it. It feels like Hocus Pocus with zombies and the <laughs> 80s and I just wrote yes i am here for that i hope it's good i hope it delivers in terms of not just having that fantastic aesthetic and vibe going on i hope that it delivers in terms of being a pretty good thing so yeah watch this space honestly i got quite excited by it cool yeah i think it looks really good well diablo cody wrote it she's written some good stuff such mm -hmm. as if you've seen it jennifer's body which i think is maybe underrated I haven't. I remember when it came out, I've got like a double-sided avatar of Jennifer's body poster. It came out at the same time. <laughs> I think it got dismissed a bit because it's, oh, it's Megan Fox being a bisexual cheerleader 
watch it for that reason but I think there's more to it than that I've only seen it the once but I remember thinking there was something there yeah it looked quite good and it looked like it played on a lot of those stereotypes and stuff so yeah interesting early role for Amanda Seyfried as well or Seyfried or have you pronounced her name mm-hmm. with her giant eyes yeah I don't know but yeah Lisa Frankenstein you're keen for this, so good. Uh, yeah, I am. And it, it was one of those ones, I think, again, in a whole bunch of stuff that's a bit meh or pointless or maybe interesting, but also you're like, oh, historical stuff. This just looks kind of fun. It feels like a much more accessible season three American Horror Story, if season three is cult. It feels right. like the first episode, if you ever watch it, of cult. It's witches and they bring a guy back to life and he becomes this sort of zombie guy that the girl fancies so she brings him back because he's this high school boy and it obviously doesn't work out for them (laughs) it's terrible it's a terrible idea and it made me think of a sort of light-hearted version of that so yeah I'm excited by it so don't know if I've got much more to say (laughs) I was in as soon as I saw Catherine Newton was in it I'll watch her in anything what has she been in don't know if I know her She's been in all sorts of stuff. She was in a few episodes of Supernatural. She was actually lined up to be the lead of a spin-off that never actually came to pass, which is a shame because that would have been really good. She's yeah. in Detective Pikachu. Okay. She's in a film called Freaky, which is the genre mashing of slashers with other things. So it's Freaky Friday, but a slasher. She switches bodies with Vince Vaughn, who's a serial killer. Oh, okay. That sounds like a lot going on in that film. She's in Blockers, which I thought was really funny. John Cena's in that as well. She's in all sorts. Ah, so she's been lots of stuff. Look her up in other things. You might be surprised. There's a film on Amazon that's called The Diary of Perfect Things or something. I can't remember the exact title. It's made during the pandemic and it feels like this weird empty world they're in, but it's a time loop movie. It's really good as well. She's in that too. So ah. yeah, look her up on IMDb and just check out some random stuff. Detective Pikachu is great. She's in that. I think I saw Detective Pikachu and I can't remember how I felt about that. I don't feel like I left overwhelmingly positively, but don't quote me on that because I can't remember. I liked it. You can listen back to our podcast where me, Chris and Pikachu talk about it. Oh, well, that's really cute. <laughs> I might have to dive into that. Chris made me talk to a Pikachu and therefore created an Aww. editing headache for me. That's cute. <laughs> Next up, we have The Colour Purple, which is, as I understand it, a very famous musical that's now been turned into a film. It's a famous musical? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, apparently. Is it? I thought it was a book. It's a book. It's like a classic oh, book. Oh, okay. I thought it was maybe a famous stage musical. Maybe it's a musical. I don't maybe know. it's both. I don't know if I've been familiar with it as a musical. Are you sure? I kind of want to Google that. <laughs> well, we have to be technically accurate, so I'm going to find Let's out. Let's find out. It is a musical. There we go. I was right. Whoa. Well, that's really interesting. Yes, it's a musical based on the 1982 novel. So you're right too, it's both. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's quite controversial, but it's not. It's had a lot of controversy around it because the book has been banned and then brought back and then more people have banned it because it does deal with a lot of really heavy topics. I do remember growing up, The Colour Purple came out. I think Whoopi Goldberg was in the original. Is that right? Sure. I don't know. And... I just remember seeing parts of it by thinking, oh God, this isn't for me. I'm a child and I should be watching this. But it looks like it's going to be a really beautiful and well-styled film. Quite different, I think, to, I mean, I haven't seen it to my embarrassment, but it looks like it's going to be really beautiful and quite different in terms of tone to the original movie. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, well, my notes are, looks very stylish, powerful singing. Yeah. Bold new take. I think that's what they say in the trailer. It's going to be a bold new take. It's interesting. It's a Christmas Day release. Yeah, that's a big thing in the US. Christmas Day is not a big deal in the US. They go to the cinema, apparently, on Christmas Day. Okay. 
So then it is a big deal. They probably won't be out Christmas Day here because cinemas won't be open. Well, yeah, I just was like, oh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> it's probably a really dumb thing for me to say, but I just I thought, is that going to be damaging for it? But no, it's actually probably going to be a really good thing. It's quite good that there's so many musicals on this list as well because it did seem like they were dying out a bit or they had died out, but now there's at least two on this list. Three. I think it's one of those ones that is quite an important story, so I hope it does well. Okay, we're going into a bit of a Christmas season now. <gasps> God, I have to be honest, watching these trailers and then realising that I had my fleecy snowman <laughs> pyjama bottoms on, <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Good, but we're getting towards that time of year, so the Christmas movies are going to be starting to come out. First one is Candy Cane Lane. Eddie Murphy's back. Been a while since he's been in something. Yeah, I honestly just wrote, where has Eddie Murphy been? <laughs> And then I also wrote, those were my only thoughts. Where has Eddie Murphy been? He had this period where he was doing films where he was playing multiple versions of himself. Yeah. A lot. And they were all terrible. Yeah, they were all terrible. And I wonder, has he been away because he's been forced to pay alimony? <laughs> I know that there was a big controversy with him and he's probably not been the best person. So I don't know if he's just kind of shirked the limelight for a little while. But he's back. He's back. But should he have come? I don't know. I don't feel like this film is going to serve a purpose, but maybe for some people, they'll think it's the best thing ever. Wish fulfillment again, granting wishes and all that stuff. Yeah. When you look at different production companies and stuff like that, you get that a lot. You get the same story. It's like someone has sold the idea of a story or someone overheard certain people talking and gone, oh, we should do that first. <laughs> like, bedtime stories came out at the same time as this other storytelling movie. There must be all this behind-the-scenes storyline stealing going on. This whole wish fulfillment thing definitely feels like someone said, oh, we should do something with wishes. Someone's overheard it and then gone this absolute... It's the season of the wish. Yeah, it is. But they've gone to the other end of it, so quite interesting. I don't know that I'll watch this. I'm not watching it. Don't you dare make us watch it. I'm not podcasting about it. Oh, don't worry. I've no intention of making that happen. <laughs> when we do a Christmas special, we're not talking about this. Let's move on to something that I do want to see, though. It's a Wonderful Knife. Talked about Blumhouse, the studio merging of genres. So I talked about Totally Killer earlier, which is Back to the Future yeah. plus Slasher. Freaky, which was Freaky Friday plus Slasher. Then you have Happy Death Day, which is Groundhog Day plus Slasher, etc. So now they're doing It's a Wonderful Life plus Slasher. As in, what if I never existed and there was someone murdering everyone? Yeah, a very interesting concept. And I have to be honest, it started and I was a little like, Ugh, but actually it feels kind of interesting. I'm intrigued. Definitely an interesting take on the Be Careful What You Wish For. This is the film that made me think of Goosebumps. I definitely had this textured purple covered Goosebumps book. Maybe it was actually hot pink and I'm sure it had a parrot's face in it and it just said, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> it made me think of that. And again, we're going back to the late 90s, early noughties. I feel nostalgic AF. I would say the first 10 seconds, I hadn't been grabbed. By the end of it, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to watch this. Looks like a ton of fun. Looks like there's lots of kills as well. I mean, that could just be edited in the trailer to make it look like there's lots. Maybe yeah. there's quite as many. The angel murder look, though, is awesome. I love that slasher villain look. It's immediately iconic. Yeah. And Justin Long. Where's he been? I like Justin Long. He was in a lot of things for a while and then he was in nothing. Yeah. So he's some as we back, just like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Although I'm happy to have Justin Long back, not so much Eddie Murphy. I feel bad, right? Eddie Murphy, he's Beverly Hills Cop. He's legendary, but I just 
don't know what's happened to his last 20 years. He had his edgy comedies in the 80s and things, which were, yeah, no denying, excellent. And then he had some decent family films in the 90s as well. Yeah. Stuff like Dr. Doolittle and stuff, they weren't too bad. They were okay as if you're a kid watching them. And then he just went off the rails and did these, I'm going to play six characters who all look like me and... They're all going to be terrible. Yeah, it definitely got to a point of just ridiculousness. Not to go back to that other film, but maybe Candy Keen Lane might surprise us somehow. But it's a wonderful knife, Keen. Yeah. Oh. I'm interested. Next up we have Silent Night, which is a Christmas action movie directed by John Woo. And that's all I need to know. I'm in. Yeah. I just wrote down three other films. Die Hard, John Wick, Fast and Furious. It feels like it's been made by the people who are sick of Die Hard being top Christmas film and they want to have a competition to it. Going to aim for the crown. Yeah, we're going to yeah. go for it. Again, I wondered what the rating was of this trailer and I don't want to be that stickler person but there's a really graphic headshot. It's a Red Band trailer again, I think. Because we're in the season of Christmas, we've just had Eddie Murphy, Sickly Sweet, Candy Cane Lane and then I watched It's a Wonderful Knife and I thought, okay, slash your Christmas time and then we get to Silent Night and I was like, what are they doing to Christmas? <laughs> Dear God. It feels like, of course, it's been made by John Woo because everything that you see feels like things that we're very familiar with by now from him. I think this will do well. I think a lot of people will go to see it. I think that it will become a lot of people's new replacement to Die Hard in terms of what they think is their all-time favourite Christmas film. Maybe. If it's good. I didn't like it. I didn't like the trailer. And I don't like what they're selling. Okay. I can see that there's definitely a market for it, but yeah, I think of those three films, it's a wonderful knife, I think, takes my ticket. <laughs> my one cinema ticket. Do you think in Silent Night we'll get two slow-motion turtle doves? Because it's John Woo. Oh, yeah. It's got him. I think 100%. There'll be turtle doves though, right? Because Christmas. Hopefully. Last Christmas thing, we're bringing it home with a more traditional, by the looks of things, Christmas comedy, dashing through the snow. It's quite fun. Breezy Christmas comedy. I don't have a lot to say about mm. it. I just think it looks, it's all right. Funnily enough, when I was interviewing Wes Mack, he's in a Christmas film that's out later this year on Hallmark or Lifetime, one of those American channels. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how at Christmas, sometimes you need these just low stakes. There's no danger. There's no jeopardy. It's just a simple story. And it's really good to just be within a Christmas spirit for a while. And I think that's just what this is. Yeah, I think I view it slightly higher than you, maybe. But that's maybe because after watching the Christmas trailers, Candy Cane Lane, it's Wonderful Knife. Silent Night. Dancing Through the Snow, I was like, what is this going to be? And I just wrote, cute. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those magical, hopefully feel-good Christmas movies in ages. And I think you're right, that sort of being in the Christmas spirit of things, that sort of traditional nod, but quite magical element. And also it's got ludicrous in it. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I think, do you know what? If this was the week before Christmas... And all through the house, I only had one cinema ticket and I was going to go and see one of those four films. I think I'd have to go and see Dashing Through the Snow because I think I'd want to get that Christmas feel from it. And I think I'd want to just live for two hours in that sort of light jeopardy. Santa's here. He's getting hunted down by people who want the naughty and nice list, which is an interesting spin. One that I don't know if I've seen before and keeps it a little bit fresh, but... 
just also looks like at the core heart of it. It's family and love and the season of giving and goodwill and cheer. And I'm like, yeah, do you know what? I can lean into it. We can add this Santa to our multiverse of Santas that we had in our Christmas special. Yes! So, yeah, fingers crossed it delivers in terms of that sort of pleasantry side of things. We'll see. We shall see. Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag with these trailers, I would say. Usually is. They could be separated into naughty and nice. (laughs) (laughs) And just coal. There's definitely a few I'd happily fling over a fence. Yeah, fair. I don't disagree. I just think, again, if I come back to what am I going to spend my money on to watch in a cinema, because I want that cinema experience, I think there's maybe three or four on that list which is quite good i feel like it can be lower than that it's a decent ratio actually three or four out of however many there is and then some to wait for for streaming perhaps yeah 22 20 something like that (laughs) no too shabby yeah so let's move on to some stuff that isn't video so you didn't have to watch anything you haven't been on one of these before but we usually do the pillars of neil before pod which is things like marvel dc star wars star trek etc so we have two pillars noted on this one the first one being marvel the first bit of news is about spider-man freshman year which is an upcoming animated tv series on disney plus they've announced some of the cast hudson thames maybe that's how you pronounce his name is going to be peter parker slash spider-man he voiced the character in what if and sounds quite a lot like tom holland To the point that when I saw that episode of What If, I was like, is that Tom Holland? So, good casting in that respect. I'm like, I don't know who they are, and I haven't watched any of these shows, so you're leading on this, Craig, and I will nod and hmm and ha and maybe (laughs) sacre bleu at certain times. Yeah, take it away. You might recognise some of the character names at least. Okay. (laughs) Eugene Bird is going to be voicing Lonnie Lincoln or Tombstone. He's a, a villain. He looks like he's a jock, according to the picture here in this, like a school football player or whatever. So that's a different take on the character. Yeah, I don't know if I know who Tombstone is. Sorry. (laughs) Then we've got Grace Song as Nico Minoru, perhaps. She's an actress and a writer. She'll be playing Nico, a fan favourite character who was in a TV show called Runaways. Well, comics as well. Hugh Dancy is Otto Octavius. You'll know who he is. Dr. Octopus. (laughs) It's unclear if he's going to be a mentor or a villain, it says, but he's going to be in the show in some capacity. I know who Dr. Octopus is. Carrie Walgreen is going to be voicing Aunt May. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to be a bit closer to the Marissa Tomei version in terms of just how she looks. She looks a bit younger and stuff. Zeno Robinson is going to be Harry Osborne. You know who that is. I do. I played the games. My main recollection of Spider-Man is playing it on the Sega Mega Drive. So I feel familiar with whoever is in that game. And it sounds like quite a few of them from those times or in the TV times. Well, it's, it's all Spider-Man anyway. You tend to get a lot of that. And it was announced before Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be voicing Doctor Strange and Charlie Cox will be reprising his role as Daredevil as well. Mm, so some big names. Yeah, relatively. Certainly big names in the, the nerd sphere in some cases. So yeah, that's cool. I'm looking forward to that. I was keen for a new Spider-Man animated show and it's not connected to the MCU. It's a new fresh take on Spider-Man's early years. So it's back to teenage Peter Parker again, which I should be more annoyed at because it feels like we're always getting that. It's all we get, actually. <laughs> He's the modern day Peter Pan. <laughs> the boy who never grew up. Well, in the PlayStation games, Spider-Man 2 was out recently. It's great. He's in his mid-20s and has been Spider-Man for eight years. Well, that is a step up. Yeah. 
Wasn't there like a Spider-Man where he was married and had an apartment and stuff? Well, yeah, he, he does that in the comics. Maybe that's the comics. I am a bit more interested in adult Spider-Man, but I'm still interested in this. Any Spider-Man project, I'm going to be there. Yeah, you're a fan. Speaking of Daredevil, who I brought up during that, Marvel are going to be retooling their TV shows because they've decided that the critical mauling that some of them get is not good enough anymore and they need to actually put some effort in. So they're going to be treating them a bit more like TV shows, as in hiring people that have worked on TV shows before instead of movie execs to run them, which may have more to do with the settlement of the writer's strike than actual commitment to quality because there's rules now about size of writer rooms and and all that stuff. Basically what they've done is they've filmed a bunch of Daredevil so far and they've thrown a lot of it out because they've decided it's not good enough. One of the reasons they cited was, and I don't understand this at all, but Matt Murdock doesn't suit up as Daredevil until the fourth episode of the show. And I'm just thinking, why does that matter? Do they want him in sooner? I guess. But if you're writing good television, then I'm happy to wait for those sorts of things. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Marvel changing their approach to their TV shows. Have they ever thought just because they can doesn't mean that they should? (laughs) It's a classic Jeff Goldblum situation here. It's a classic line for a reason. Why they continue producing and making so much and we're gonna say money 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 but also (laughs) really can they just slow it down a little bit take their time maybe start with one or two i mean it's too late for that anyway but i just think things could have been a bit different and they really could have made good tv and instead it just feels like a whole bunch of crap i'm not into it i hope that changing their approach makes it Well, I've enjoyed a lot of the TV output to varying degrees, but I do think that their current model isn't sustainable. They do need to to change things up and start thinking differently about these things. Yeah. And one of the things that's also cited is that they're going to do multi-season things, but I feel like they might be trying to apply a singular fix to a problem when that might not happen. There's certain projects that make sense as a single project. For example, WandaVision, right? You don't need two seasons of that. It's one season and then you put Wanda somewhere else later on. Yeah, and it works. The Falcon and Winter Soldier is about Sam accepting that he needs to be Captain America. You next see him in his film where he's already Captain America. So if you want a bit more detail, you can watch the thing. Yeah, so it plugs a gap. So I don't know. I, I really hope that they think more about these things. What has been your all-time favourite Marvel TV show? Of the Disney Plus era, it's Hawkeye. I think it was the tightest narratively. The character work was really good. Oh, you didn't say that. Yeah. It's bizarre they've done nothing with it since because you cast Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop and you've got Haley Steinfeld who is one of the most famous actresses in the world. I don't know who that is. She's been in loads of stuff. She was in True Grit, the remake of that. She was in Dickinson. She's in all sorts of stuff. She was in Bumblebee, the Transformers movie. Yeah, okay. When you were like, oh, they're one of the biggest. I was like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> but if you have her and then you do this one show with her and then just leave her on the side, it feels like you're not thinking about it as heavily as you could be. Has that all been caused because of Hawkeye himself sustaining those injuries? Well, no, because the way that the Hawkeye series ended, it it was as if Clint Barton was like, right, I'm done with it. And then he gives the mantle to her and she can go off and carry it forward. Okay. So it could have led actually quite naturally to her sort of being centre stage. Yeah. Season two is Kate Bishop's adventures. Yeah, that's great. It's interesting And relatedly, they have appointed showrunners and directors for the 
daredevil revamp that they're doing where they're throwing out the old stuff and they're, they're bringing it in. So Dario Scardapin, whose credits include Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, as well as The Punisher, has been tapped out as the new showrunner. And Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who are the co-directing team behind Loki, for example. So people have been successful at this place before, so they're giving them that to do. Mm. I didn't like The Punisher TV show, so... I don't know how I feel about that. I'm sure this won't surprise you, Craig, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> I didn't even watch it all. I got three episodes in and just binned it because I wasn't enjoying it. I'm impressed. That's a really big step for you. Well, no, the Netflix Marvel stuff, it was very easy to just fall off them because some of them got intolerable after a while. I'm glad. I think that there's definitely been times when we've talked before and you've been like, oh, I'm reviewing this or I'm watching this <laughs> and you've absolutely been hating it. And we've said to you, well, why are you doing it? And it's that dedicated streak in you to just keep on going. So I think that's a really great thing to go, actually, nah, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> it's trash. I'm done. Well done. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> I didn't like three of these. I'm not watching another 10. That's yeah, it. well done. done. So Marvel TV, we'll watch this space and see what they come up with. Mm. The thing is with Daredevil, I actually find that if they'd done a more traditional sort of network TV approach to Daredevil, you could beef up the lawyer side of it, as in mm. someone comes into his office at the beginning of an episode with a problem and needs the law plus Daredevil punching someone to solve it. You've got a, a decent formula there. Yeah. Well, you never know. I don't know much about it. The Netflix show, certainly the first series was very good. And the third series was good as well. Second series, not so much. Okay, what's next on our list of stuff? We're hopping over the fence to DC now. I don't know how much you know about the fact that James Gunn is now running the DC Universe. Oh, wow, James Gunn. And he gets to decide who gets to play characters and be in stories and things. What an important decision for that. He recently cast Lois Lane and Superman. David Cornswell is playing Superman, and I don't know who he is, but he looks the part, so keen for that but this is about who's keeping their roles rachel brosnahan is lois lane as well i should have added so some actors will be reprising their roles but effectively they'll be appearing in a new universe so it's the same actors but they're not connected to the thing that came out before one of them is viola davis who's reprising her role as amanda waller she was in the two suicide squad movies okay cool the actor who played blue beetle and i'm gonna butcher this it's jolo maraduna that guy blue beetle was okay it was a decent origin story movie, but it was never going to set the world on fire. But he was really good. Whenever you say Blue Beetle, I'm thinking, you're trying to say Blue Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's not how you say Blue Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. They're keeping him, which is good. There was a really positive reaction to him because of the representation angle, because of his culture and stuff. And the film did feature the family and culture quite heavily. Mm. So that's where it stood out a bit. So the fact that they're keeping him is a good thing. The other one confirmed is, of no surprise, John Cena reprising his role as Peacemaker. Mm -hmm. So he's picked these actors. I imagine there'll be more that'll keep the role. I hope that the actress playing Supergirl in the Flash movie will get another go because that's not her fault. That film was terrible and she deserves another shot. But we'll see how it unfolds. There's some people that are really annoyed at it as in they seem to think that if it's a fresh start, it should be a fresh start rather than, oh yeah, we'll just keep your actors. But then Blue Beetle wasn't his. So basically John Cena is the only one he ever cast. Well, it could be quite interesting. Hmm. Curious. Yeah. So those three are keeping the roles and we'll see what else happens from there. It's exciting times for the DC universe, perhaps. Maybe they'll make it good this time. Yeah. It's maybe exciting for those guys. I don't know if it's exciting for me, but <laughs> thrilled for them. I just hope to get a more traditional Superman movie where he is the beacon of hope and all that good stuff. Do you know where you get those, Craig? What? The 80s. Yeah, but... 
<laughs> want a modern take on it. The next thing is, after a heated bidding war, Miramax has scored the TV rights to the hugely popular Halloween franchise. Ooh. They've signed a wide-ranging deal to develop and co-produce a Halloween TV series, which also includes a first-look agreement on other television projects for the international marketplace. It's envisioned to potentially launch a cinematic universe spanning film and television. Do you want the Halloween cinematic universe? I feel like it already exists. Why do we need to change it? Well, there's a lot of Halloween films, but what's Halloween without Michael Myers, really, other than Season of the Witch, of course? I don't know. Why are we so obsessed with creating universes all over the place? Well, Halloween's already a mess as well, because you have three timelines, I think it is. Four if you include the Rob Zombie films. I don't know if the world needs that. I think the world needs solutions to... Well, tough, you're getting it. Other things. (laughs) But I don't want it! Miramax spent a lot of money on this, so like it or not, it's happening. What a dumb decision. That was somebody being told they get to make a really important decision. It could be the most important decision of their whole life. They've (laughs) gone in and they've been like, wow, this is my first night, my job. This is what we're going to do. Let's create a universe. No, again, just because you can. Come on. Doesn't mean that you should. I don't want that. Like it or not, you're going to see Michael Myers stab people once again. Well, do I? I can ignore it. I can ignore that the universe exists. I don't need to pay attention to it. And then some random spin-offs that may not feature Michael Myers, because that's what I want at Halloween. <sighs> Michael Myers not being in it. Sounds great. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry, Miramax. I don't care about your $1 billion deal. I don't know how much a universe costs, but there we go. $1 billion? We'll send them that email. Ah, you wasted your money. How much did they pay? I don't know. It doesn't say. Or maybe it does, but I've already closed the article. Too much. Okay. I can't even imagine how much money it takes to buy something like a universe. They'll be wanting a return on that investment, so it's happening. Well, it feels like a dumb decision to me. Well, speaking of dumb decisions, we have another (laughs) Disney live action remake, this one being Snow White. And the first picture was released of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which are dwarves again. They weren't before. They were changing them to nondescript magical creatures because they felt like the word dwarf was offensive. And I think Peter Dinklage said, oh great, you've taken away one of the few roles that I can definitely get. Thanks. So it seems to have changed. Perhaps more famously about this film is that Rachel Zegler has been quite honest about her feelings on on being in this film. She talked about how Snow White wasn't a big deal for her growing up. It wasn't something that she really watched. Why is she in it? Well, because she's an actor and has to work. But that doesn't mean she's going to do a bad job, does it? It's a debate that we've been having for quite a long time on various news podcasts. Do actors have to be fully engaged with the material that they're playing or do they just have to do their job? It helps to be fully engaged. I think that's a level of the job isn't it to be engaged sure. if not why take part i think what's really interesting actually the image doesn't feel i mean it's not giving us anything new it makes me think that i would maybe like to see a full-length version of snow white directed by ramstein but there we go <laughs> and we've been waiting 20 years for that gus and i had a really interesting discussion actually about the idea of the word dwarf what it means today what it meant historically what it means in terms of fantasy what it means in terms of dungeons and dragons and it was really interesting i think that we both were concerned to a a point about how that is interpreted the perpetually pushed characteristics of these figures in this story and I think it was just really interesting to bring it back to distinguishing between the magical creature from these childhood stories I don't know where I'm going with this but it was just an interesting discussion 
and we weren't really sure what was accepted and what is where it's at for people. The picture looks traditionally Snow White. She's wearing the traditional costume and stuff. I like Rachel Zegler, anything that I've seen her in, which isn't much. She's only been in a couple of things, but she's usually pretty good. She was in West Side Story, which was her first role, and she was in the Shazam sequel. That was another film where she was honest about the role, where she said, yeah, I took this job because I needed to work, and that was it. Wow, so she really doesn't care about anything. Why is she not getting jobs and things that she cares about? I mean, the thing is, she's sort of paying her dues as an actress. She's only done a couple of things, so yeah, the fact is she's just taking projects that will pay her and get her name out there. She's in the Hunger Games prequel as well. That's coming out this month. Okay. I kind of admire her honesty and I don't think that actors have to be engaged with the, the material necessarily in, in the sense of being a huge fan of it. I know that fans expect that of people, but I think that's unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah, it was a job. I did this job and I did it to the best of my ability and there we go. Yeah, but it's one of those things though, right, where now if I watch that film, I'll be thinking about how the actress didn't like it or didn't care for it or didn't feel in any way connected to the character. I don't know, I think maybe that knowledge or that insight complicates then how I will now interpret the film because I feel like if I were to watch it, I might think, oh, they obviously don't care and you can tell that. Even if it wasn't noticeable up until that point, maybe knowing that it's going to be... Did you say this is Disney? It's really interesting and I don't know why, but I think maybe just because growing up in the early 2000s and being aware of darker versions of Snow White, even looking at the photo or the image that you shared, it just feels so twisted. So it's so rad that this is going to be from Disney because I am immediately just thinking of Neil Gaiman's The Glass Apple, again, Ramstein, and maybe we just need a really dark Snow White movie. I'm sure there maybe was one actually. Oh, there probably is. Well, it's not going to be this. It's going to be a largely faithful remake of the animated film that's what they do with these things. Yeah. I mean, I do like it. I grew up watching it. But I would say Snow White is probably one of my least favourite Disney princesses. Fair enough. She's a classic, but least favourite. And the image looks faithful, but also the colours look very muted and dull, which I find with all these remakes... Yeah, it looks dark. I think that's the sort of impression. It's got that grey filter over it that a lot of modern things yeah. have. Because apparently colour is a bad thing. Gritty. Yeah. Just a bit gritty. Maybe that's why I'm surprised it's Disney. Despite the fact that it looks exactly like the Disney thing. I know, <laughs> I know. Wild. Let's move on. Ben Wheatley's next project. I don't know if you're a fan of Ben Wheatley at all, but he's doing something else. I feel like I forever need to remind myself who any of these people are. <laughs> Generation Z. Didn't he do, was Generation Z the zombies? Well, this is about zombies. Yeah, so did he do the books? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. But... UK broadcaster Channel 4 has unveiled a first look at the six-part series, which is currently being filmed in Wales. Wheatley's first TV series boasts a cast including Robert Lindsay, Sue Johnston and Anita Dobson. The series centres on the fictional town of Danbury, where a chemical leak outside a care home starts an apocalypse led by old-age pensioners hungry for human flesh. A group of teenagers are caught up in the virus when one of the gang's grandmothers becomes infected and attacks her. It's like Alex Mack gone wrong. I guess. Or maybe so, right. It's about intergenerational justice and community breakdown that boldly satirises a world where truth is stranger than fiction, exploring not just the political fault lines in our society, but also the very real issues facing teenagers today. Other cast include includes Louis Gribbon, Jay Lucargo, Bouquet Kamur, Viola Prettyjohn, and Johnny Vegas. Mm, okay. British projects are so weird, aren't they? <laughs> just all these casts. 
I think what's really interesting is, do you remember a wee while back, loads of stuff had zombies in it. And I remember when Generation Z, I feel like if he did World War Z and stuff like that, I feel like if that's him 15 years ago and this is it coming back around again, it feels like zombies are back. Are zombies back? It feels like they are. Maybe they never went away. I don't think they ever <laughs> go away. It's just... The concentration of them varies. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. I think maybe because they've been oblivious to a lot of stuff, it could be that in my head they've kind of disappeared, but maybe they have been there the whole time. But now I'm like, okay, that's a couple of things now that they're appearing in. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting how long these projects take to come to fruition. Maybe it is a good time to bring it back, but it has been oversaturated in the past. So maybe after a little breather, yeah, introduce it again pick up where we all left off and take us to Wales. And it'll be quirky and British. Oh God, the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Next thing, I don't know if I'm so enthusiastic about this, but there is another Suits spin-off in the works. Series creator Aaron Corse is in development of a Suits offshoot for NBC Universal. Deals are still being negotiated, but the project is expected to be fast-tracked with a serious commitment. It's not a revival or reboot. It's not a spin-off either. It would be a Suits Universe series in the vein of the CSI and NCIS franchises. It's featuring new characters in a new location. I hear Los Angeles is a backdrop considered for this workplace drama. I did watch some of Suits, actually. Although I kind of went off the boil with it after a while because it just got a bit samey, I guess. I wasn't as keen on it as I was early on. And I actually didn't realise that Meghan Markle was in it until I started watching it. I just watched it on a whim and I kind of got drawn into it for a little while. But I'm out of it now. I don't think I'll go back. I'm going to surprise you and our audience right now. I have never watched it. Oh, wow. I know. The surprise. The shock. You don't even know what to say. Is that because you think Meghan Markle is a blight on the royal family and the British people? I think we need to go over our comments on the royal family. I think that (laughs) they should just be donezo and we shouldn't have to comment on it anymore. What I will say about Harry and Meghan is if they want to be left on their own, perhaps they shouldn't do as many documentaries where they tell all. Seems to muddle your message somewhat. Oh, I just feel like... (laughs) Just over it. Next, we have Keira Knightley, who's set to star in dystopian sci-fi thriller Conception, in which the British government has taken control over parenting. Written and directed by Camille Griffin, Silent Night. I don't know if it's that Silent Night. Oh, I think I've seen the trailer for this, actually. There is no trailer. It's just an announcement. Well, what's the film that everyone goes around with like an egg? Oh, I know the one you're thinking of. And the person has a dream and it's babies and carriers on shelves and stuff. Is it her from Game of Thrones? Yeah, another one you're talking about. It's got Melia Clark in it and people have babies that they grow in like artificial wombs that they carry around with them. Yeah, so this is interesting. So there's two things that are pretty much the same. Similar enough, yeah. This is set in the not-too-distant future of Britain, where the government has taken authoritarian rule over parenting. The film follows Rita, a loyal civil servant and believer in the unforgiving system she upholds, until unexpected events endanger her own parental status, rendering her victim to the same laws she so readily inflicted on others. Well, it's interesting to develop these sort of storylines and narratives out of, again, crazy governments thinking that they have ownership or control over women's bodies and right to reproduce. So that'll be interesting to see what commentary, I think, happens from that. Yeah, it's always good when Keira Knightley doesn't have to put on an American accent as well, because she's so bad at it. <laughs> She'll get to be, actually be British unless she's an American living in Britain, which would be pointless. So interesting, as you say, original-ish sci-fi idea that they can play with. Keira Knightley's pretty good, a good get for a project like this. Mm-hmm. James McAvoy, proud Scottish guy, is going to be doing his directorial debut pretty soon. 
He's mm. telling the true story about two Scottish lads from Dundee who conned the international music industry by adopting American accents and pretend to be established Californian rap duo Syllabil and Brains. In the late 90s, Ooh. Gavin Bain and Billy Boyd, probably not the Lord of the Rings Billy Boyd, had their musical ambitions consistently ridiculed for having the wrong accents, so they went for broke and reinvented themselves as Californian rappers. I've never heard of this. Me neither. The currently entitled movie will show how the duo re-recorded their own tracks with fake accents and turned up in London claiming to be an established duo on the Cali scene, as well as childhood friends with Eminem. They quickly bagged themselves a record deal, a hefty sum in advances and an appearance on MTV until it all came crashing down. Amazing! Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. I feel like you can't get up to those kind of escapades anymore because... (laughs) Everyone can track you down on socials. Yeah. Oh, how exciting. You just pretend to be somebody and then you are them. And maybe James McAvoy's directorial eye will really bring it to life. I know, that'll be interesting. I don't know what that looks like. We will find out. Who knows? Any Scottish movie then, eh? (laughs) Got a couple of Matthew Vaughan bits of news. The King's Man, which was the prequel to Kingsman, sequel is actually happening. It's going to be called The Traitor King, and it will take on the rise of Hitler. Kingsman is set in this alternate universe where real events, certainly in The King's Man, the real events of World War II, exist alongside this spy organisation that lives in secret and stuff. It was pretty good. But the end of the first one, the first prequel, did a post credit scene reveal of Hitler as if it was like a Marvel movie. It was really funny. This guy walks up and it's like, Herr Hitler or whatever. So they're going to do this, The Rise of Hitler, but with a Kingsman slant. So that should be pretty fun. It's quite, again, interesting timing to be doing that kind of stuff. More Rise of Fascism. It's weird. I think I saw the first Kingsman and I I think I liked it more than I thought I was going to, but I still thought it played to quite old school tropes and stereotypes and character play that I didn't entirely dig. So I actually don't think I've watched any of the other ones. Okay, well, I quite like them all. There's some questionable moments in certainly the two of them. And the prequels, it's pretty okay. I've seen it once and that was about enough for me. But the post credit scene that was like a Marvel reveal of Hitler was very funny. Yeah, probably won't watch it. <laughs> I definitely Sorry. will. Sorry. Same with Matthew Vaughn. He has teased a reboot of Kick-Ass and he's also shared an update about Kingsman 3, which is the third film starring Taron Egerton. Basically, the update is we still plan to make this at some point. He is on all cylinders, it seems. Yeah, get it while you're hot, as they say. What he says about it, we've got to get on with the Kingsman 3 because I was joking that Colin Firth is going to end up being a portrait on the side when Tyron is Arthur. He says we're working on that at the moment, so just saying, like I said, it's coming out at some point. But they've teased a reboot of Kick-Ass and hinted that Patience Lee, the African-American single mother who assumes the vigilante mantle in the comics, could be the character to take centre stage in the movie. Have you seen Kick-Ass? It's pretty good. Yeah, I saw it when it came out in the cinema. Yeah, it was interesting. I think it was like one of the first sort of films that I think I saw that tried to be a more indie Marvel situation. So yeah, it was alright. I think I enjoyed it. I think I remember seeing Kick-Ass 2 and not really digging that one. Kick-Ass 2 is not very good. Yeah, I remember thinking it was alright. I'm pretty sure I've got an old cinema banner for Kick-Ass. And I also know I've got one of the ex-boyfriends from Scott Pilgrim. Okay. banner so <laughs> somewhere deep in my closet of movie memorabilia <laughs> might have to get them out yeah. seems like they're all coming back for a kick-ass party kick-ass got a lot of accolades because of the at the time very young chloe grace moretz as this foul-mouthed yeah. violent sociopath yeah she was great in it since i saw her there for the first time it's weird seeing her as an adult now in things because i remember when she came from well, I think that's a weird thing, isn't it? People age, I know, but yeah. still. Another thing, I'm actually quite interested in this. I feel like it's something that was long past due in terms of coming back. The Rocketeer 
I really like The Rocketeer. Sylvie's love filmmaker Eugene Ash has been tapped to write The Rocketeer reboot at Disney+. Plus. David Oyelowo is attached to star and produce the project. The Rocketeer is a period superhero film that starred Billy Campbell, Jennifer Connelly, Ellen Arkin, Timothy Dalton and the late Paul Sorvino. It was directed by Joe Johnston, who did the first Captain America movie, with breathtaking visual effects for the time, it has to be said, from Johnson's alma mater, Industrial Light and Magic, and an unforgettable score by the late, great James Horner. I love The Rocketeer, so the fact that they're going back to this, I really like. Yeah, I don't know much about it. You should watch the original, it's very good. I feel like I should because I've got a framed picture of it up in the room that I'm sitting in right now. So I feel like I very much should. (laughs) To not be a fraud, you should at least watch it. Yeah, I should. Here's another thing I'm really excited about. Like with Frasier, I got into this very late, but I actually think it's one of the best cartoons ever made. Gargoyles is coming back. I loved it. It was just so complex and well written and it starred most of the cast of The Next Generation at key points. A live action series based on the classic animated show is in early development at Disney+. Plus. Gary Doberman, whoever he is, will oversee the series for James Wan, who is obviously the conjuring guy. The gargoyles are out of the bag, said Wan on Instagram. Excited to be working with Gary again on this. He's a true fan. So this is something I'm excited about. I've wanted to see a modern update of the gargoyles in some way, because the thing is, you don't have to stray too far from the the cartoon to just get great stories, because they're already great. Did you watch Gargoyles? No, but I have a really vague image in my brain that is conjured, I think, when you say gargoyles. I have a feeling that maybe I watched... Because it was like a cartoon, yeah? Yes. Yeah, I'm telling you. 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday. <laughs> big bowl of Cocoa Pops. I was probably watching at some point Gargoyles. I never really got into it until I was in my 20s, weirdly. But it was when I watched it, I was like, God, this is some of the best written, not just cartoon, but TV I've seen. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Huh, that's big praise. I interviewed the showrunner some years ago as well, and we talked a lot about it. Well, that's a humble brag. Yeah, and one of the people who worked on it as well, but that was a different time. So there we go. Gargoyles TV show. Please don't mess it up. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Just cover that caveat. And our last bit might be something that you're interested in. Anime legend Hayao Miyazaki. Have I said that right? Mm-hmm. Latest film mm-hmm. has been making the rounds at fall film festivals, but it will soon be playing for the public in US theatres. The Boy and the Heron will be available to screen in both its original Japanese language with English subtitles and also in an English language dub. And they have announced their cast for the English language dub, which includes Christian Bale, Dave Bautista, Gemma Chan, Willem Dafoe, Karen Fukuhara, Mark Hamill, Robert Pattinson and Florence Pugh. What a great mix. I haven't seen any Miyazaki stuff, but I know that people what watch the Craig, dubs what and serious? the original Japanese with subtitles because both are worth watching. Yeah, both are good. And you have to start with the original language and then you level up to watching it with the dub but you have to watch it in its original language it's very beautiful and I think as well watching the film in its original language and then reading the subtitles it tends to be so poetic and it's something that isn't usually I mean don't get me wrong the dubs are great and I really enjoy them too but sometimes there's just a little extra magic I think in the subtitling of the original language Miyazaki's. I can't get over you saying that you've never seen Studio Ghibli film before. Well I really struggle with subtitles maybe as you know. My brain can't watch and read at the same time. But you can watch it dubbed. Yeah but if you're saying I have to watch it. Well no but that's how a purist would watch (laughs) it. Howl's Moving Castle has Christian Bale play one of the main characters. He's Howell. So having Christian Bale return, I think, is 
pretty good. He was so fantastic in Hell's Moving Castle. I thought he was just pure drama and really funny. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would say sometimes the casting feels a bit off. I'm not a huge Liam Neeson fan. I can't put my finger on it. I'm just not. I'm sorry. And in Ponyo, Liam Neeson is Ponyo's dad. And I didn't really dig it. I go through phases of sometimes thinking I like it and other times thinking, oh, they could have gotten someone else. But I think it's great that he's back. I think he has retired a couple of times now or he's threatened to step away and his family have taken the lead and stuff, I think, with varied successes. So it's nice. Don't quote me, but I think that he has said this is his final one. Is that right? Yeah, but as you say, that doesn't mean much. Yeah, he has magic. He has such an incredible way of storytelling that is nuanced and truly captures an essence of something and usually it's an essence of childhood or love or friendship or connection somehow and I love him and can't wait to see more and again don't be put off if you don't like reading subtitles you can 100% dive straight into the dubbed version no one is going to judge you (laughs) but don't deny yourself any longer studio ghibli movies so you're saying that you'll be buying a ticket very soon after release yeah i think i will and it's funny i think i've only seen a couple of ghibli films in the cinema i think a lot of them now are on netflix there was a big thing over lockdown i think when they'd all been released because i've definitely got my dvd collection incomplete i should say actually but yeah there's definitely a few that i go back to if i'm feeling down or if i'm feeling i want some warm fuzzy feels or i just want to be comforted or whatever i'll put on one of his films so incredible studio incredible work angus one month described them as the japanese disney Hugely considered that way. They have amusement park and studio stuff that you can visit in Japan. One of the things I would love to do, although it's restricted by age, which is rubbish, is go to, I can't remember what it's called. Let's just call it Ghibli World. I don't know what it's called. (laughs) And actually go into the cat bus. I would love that. A friend who I used to work with years ago, she loved it. Would love to go. But yeah, hugely successful for a reason. That was a great one to end on, a ringing endorsement. Yeah, so I hope it's good. I'm sure it'll be beautiful as always, so we'll see. Sounds like you're going to find out. Yes! (laughs) There we go, we did it. That was October's news and trailers and bits and pieces, so how was that? Who knew it'd be so chunky? (laughs) Yeah, well thanks for having me. It was good to join you, I think, for my first news roundup. I'll maybe pick a slighter month next (laughs) time to join you because woof. This is one of the slighter months that we've had, actually. Oh my gosh. And you can thank the strike for less announcements. The problem is you never know it's a slight month or a heavy month until it's the time. It's just the way it is. Yeah, the next time I join you, I think I might send you one and it'll be a trailer for like an international film or something just to expand (laughs) it a little bit. Well, yeah. See what's going on in other parts of the world because you know this about me, I think, already, but I'm a huge international movie fan. You can do that. I can always add stuff. I do welcome people adding to it. Yeah, and we can watch dubs if that's where we need to go to. (laughs) Andrew often chimes in with things that I missed. Um, when when he comes on so it's welcome well I didn't do any other research I only watched these trailers so there we go at least you did that that was the minimum of homework that was required (laughs) (laughs) it does feel like homework and it's a Saturday you looked at Rachel Zegler as Snow White as well so you did that 
Oh yeah, I learned that. That was our discussion about October 2023's news and trailers. I would like to thank Neil Stenson and I would like to thank 331ERock for the supplied music. If you enjoyed what you heard, then please do subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you find your podcasts. You will find us. We are everywhere completely everywhere and most of these places now have built-in rating systems that you can put ratings and reviews and things and normally those come in the form of stars so natalie how many stars should the listeners give us as many they feel their heart desires i'd go with five so would i that's what your heart desires (laughs) that's our wish five stars yeah fulfill our wish be careful what we wish for monkey's paw wish if we get an influx of ratings and reviews ah i know okay no i take it back one star one star keep us grounded that's all we need no no five stars helps the algorithm and all that stuff if you want to discuss anything we talked about here or anything really you can hit us up on facebook or twitter slash x under nail before blog and you could leave a comment under nailbeforeblog.co.uk you can also find us on discord we have set up a community where listeners can join there's a couple of people in there we have conversations sometimes so you can join us there and talk about whatever you want and suggest things for us to talk about and stuff so please do come along and do that because it's a good community and it needs to grow into a better community I guess even I sometimes find myself on discord once a year or so yeah <laughs> I turn up sometimes just to see what's going on for more news podcasts every month for interviews all the chat dive analytical discussions about all your favourite nerdy things please do continue to join us on Neil Before Pod. <laughs>